All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. This week's episode, we'll be reacting to a chaotic NFL Week 6. Patriots with another blowout win over the Browns. Steelers shock the NFL world, beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Bills got the best of the Chiefs in an AFC heavyweight showdown. Eagles remain unbeaten. The two New York teams can continue to roll with more big wins as big underdogs. So lots to get to from this past weekend. And that also includes Major League Baseball as the NLDS is done at this point with the five-seeded San Diego Padres knocking off the 111-win Dodgers and the six-seeded Phillies sending home the defending champion Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about both of those series along with the American League side with the Astros winning an 18-inning marathon to finish off a sweep of the Mariners and Yankees and Guardians Game five at the time we're recording. We'll give our thoughts on the first four of that one and provide some updates mid-show as that game continues to unfold. Finally, we'll conclude this one with our 2022-23 NBA season preview. Talk about some of the more notable teams, maybe some surprises, some teams uh, that made some big moves, whether or not we think they're contenders now. Talk about the uh, race to the bottom of the league and the top of the lottery. And, of course, give uh, plenty of predictions for awards, playoffs, and the NBA Finals. So with that, let's get started. I've always believed that October was the best sports month. I think this weekend was just kind of a a reason why I've thought that. You know, of course, with with NFL football and MLB playoffs, a ton of excitement. But this weekend, like college football was branded as one of the biggest weekends of college football in a long time. And it's hard to say that it didn't live up to the building, especially with the third Saturday in October, Alabama-Tennessee game. Volunteers winning for the first time in 15 years. Uh, I know that you're not a big college football fan, but that was one that definitely had you tuned in. Yeah, I definitely tuned in. I was going back and forth with you on it, and yeah, I'm glad glad Tennessee pulled off the victory. And it it, it was certainly arguably one of the worst game winning kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> really ugly knuckleball, like a knuckleball <laughs> like knuckle 40 yard field goal, but. Uh. It's not style points. It's just if it goes through the uprights, which is what happened. So, yeah, good for Tennessee to pull off the upset. And it was pretty cool to see that the the Tennessee fans were they grabbed the goalpost and they took it out of the stadium and, and brought it around, brought it outside the stadium, which I thought was pretty cool. And yeah, glad glad that they glad that they won. And also for Alabama, I'm it was a matter of time where I thought they'd lose because they almost lost to Texas couple weeks ago and then and then i think it was last week last week yeah that was texas a&m last week and then and then they played tennessee and it was another nail-biting game and so alabama doesn't look like the same 
dominant team. I'm sure they're still yeah, good. And I they're agree still, with that. I'm sure they still have a good chance at making the the college football playoff, but they don't look like the a team that's like an overwhelming favorite by any means. No, not at all. They definitely don't look like the number one team in the country this year. Uh, you know, I I'm not a huge fan of Tennessee, and when it comes down to it, they're a d- division rival of South Carolina, so we play them every year. Suffered some tough losses to them, but I do recognize how cool this uh, you know rivalry is and how it's been so one sided. I think 15 years in a row, Tennessee hadn't won since 2006, so it, it was cool to see Neyland Stadium. Um, you know, all the fans just storming the field, just going crazy. They finally got to smoke cigar for the first time in 15 years, a big tradition they have. I also appreciated them playing Dixieland Delight, which is associated with Alabama. It's been their song. It's by a band named Alabama, but it takes place in Tennessee. So it kind of works for the Vols to, uh, to steal That's that cool. from them for that night. Yeah. So, um, no, definitely a cool spectacle. Um, I, I agree. I don't think Alabama is the most dominant team, and I didn't really take Tennessee all that seriously. I thought that this was going to be just one of those classic years where it's like, oh, maybe this, uh, you know, this is finally their year where they pull it off and Alabama just goes out and dominates them, and that just was not what happened. And Tennessee definitely looks legit. You know, we'll see what they do when they play Georgia in a few weeks, but that will probably determine who goes to the SEC championship game. And uh, we could potentially see Tennessee in the, the college football playoff, which would be exciting. It'd be new, different. You know, we've, we've only seen no, so that's, many that's, teams. That's my biggest SEC, thing. So. That's my biggest gripe with college football is that I, I I like college basketball a lot more than college football because in college basketball, there are just crazy upsets everywhere. And a lot more parity, a lot more teams lot with more, chances Way more parity. Uh-huh. And that's why I love about college basketball is the un- – unpredictability of that sport while college football is just like Alabama Clemson and now Georgia's Ohio probably State, gonna be that team Georgia, that's a, yeah I mean it's, it's just always it's just the same like it doesn't matter like what you'll, yeah you'll see you'll see upsets here and there but then you'll, and you'll see a team that will be like kind of a a sleeper pick to make the college football football playoff but then once they face it, a real team it's like what the heck was like the the point of this and it, and it's it's cool that they'll have a expanded playoff yeah definitely uh, excited for it to go to 12 it's I'm, gonna give more teams an opportunity yeah i'm excited for that hopefully that won't result in just the inevitable alabama like <laughs> national championship game but uh, but i do like that there isn't a college football expansion because because they originally used to just have two teams but now it's four and i still think there should be more than just four. I'm glad it's going to. I think it's twelve now, right? Yeah, it's going to twelve in 2026. Well, not right now, but like twelve. Yeah, yeah when in they a expand. few years. Yeah, we're still a little ways away from that. Yeah, but. I, and I know it's not like next year or anything. I know it's in a few years, but still. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think that college football is a great sport when you have a school that you are like a part of, and you watch all the games, you go to them, you tailgate. It's just a great atmosphere. I think the rivalries are unlike anything you see at the professional level. But it's tough to be a fan of the sport when you don't have a team and you're just watching, hoping for something different because that's just not what we've had these past several years now. Um, So this season definitely looks like it's there's a chance it could happen. You still have Ohio State up there. You still have Clemson up there. You know, whether it's Alabama or Georgia, like it seems like there's a decent chance you're going to see at least one of those teams back in the playoff. But um, it is fun to see a team like Tennessee and I think there there are a handful of others. Um, you know, going into the season, I was really high on Utah, and then they lost to Florida Week One. 
Uh, they lost to UCLA last week, but this past uh, Saturday, another awesome game beating uh, Southern Cal 43 to 42. That was really fun to watch. Um, but UCLA, who I just mentioned, and I think they're a team that I'm excited to see. You know, they play Oregon this week. They play the Trojans later, um, end of November in the Rose Bowl. So, like, they're another team. I'm like, can they maybe make a surprise appearance here? But, uh, you know, regardless, it's it's still fun seeing really intense, exciting games between top teams. And it's it's fun to see someone who you don't see every single year, like Alabama, um, you know, winning this game, which uh, Tennessee was able to do. All right, so with that, let's move on to NFL football and the actions from Saturday. And let's start with your Patriots, who second week in a row started Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Second week in a row, they pull off a blowout win, this time in Cleveland over the Browns, 38-15. to And I think there's a lot of things you can talk about with this one, uh, in particular just Zappi's performance and how you feel about him. But I think overall... It seems like a lot of Patriots fans are starting to come around to the idea that maybe Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are somewhat competent at running an NFL offense. Where do you stand after this one? I, I do like what I'm seeing these past couple games from the Patriots, particularly Bailey Zappi. I'm definitely on the Zappi hype train right now. I think it's I think it's I think it's good for him. Cool story that drafted out of like a non what, what, yeah, like Western non top. Yeah, yeah Western Kentucky, and he gets thrown into the fire, but now he's he's actually looking like a pretty solid quarterback because he did not look like one in the preseason. He was not a very good Yeah, I didn't I mean, watch any Rightfully so. Like he's a rookie, but, uh, but yeah, he was terrible in the preseason. So when he came in, I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster, especially being on the road in Lambeau. But then he looked, he looked pretty good, almost came away with a victory on the road. But then in his two starts, he's been 2-0. And even though, look, it's the Lions who have a, just a, a terrible, terrible defense. Uh, and then the Browns, they're not the great, exactly the greatest team. defense is also really bad. Like, yeah, the Browns' defense is not Their coordinator <laughs> says they have top five defensive talent. They're the 30th ranked defense in the yeah, NFL. They're, they're not. They might have talent, but they haven't shown that they're uh-huh. any good. Uh, I mean, they're better than the Lions. But either way, regardless, even though – the competition Bailey Zappi has has faced isn't very good. I still think I still think he deserves credit because they've looked pretty good on offense. In these in these first six weeks, the Patriots have averaged seven point three yards per passing play, which is second in the league behind Buffalo. And then it's pretty good. The Patriots are top ten in total scoring points per play, total yards, and so on. And so they've actually looked like a pretty good offense, uh, but. I don't know. It's it's credit to Bailey Zappi, and I guess wh- looking back on it, how the season started with the struggles that they've had on offense with Mac Jones, uh, I think I think one thing to mention with Bailey Zappi's success is that because he's had to come in and be the starting quarterback, I'd imagine that the Patriots have had to dumb it down a bit, like make the offense more simple, uh, because. Bailey Zappi, I'd imagine, is just not uh, as dialed in into the playbook as Mac Jones, which kind of makes me figure that like maybe they were making it too difficult when Mac Jones is that quarterback because there were all these talks like during training camp and and the preseason and the beginning of the season like how disastrous their offense has looked, and I I have a feeling it's probably because they were trying too many difficult things for Mac Jones and the rest of the offense to to learn. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I, I do think that makes sense. And I, I think that that's 
something to go along with this is okay the, it seems like the the coordinators or whatever you want to call them are starting to figure out how to run an offense uh, with Bailey Zappi in there, and is that and so just if a, Mac Jones were to come back uh-huh. healthy? What would you get? I'd like from to Mac think. Jones, so. I would like to think that they'll be getting the same, or very likely better production if Mac Jones were to come back and healthy, uh, with a more simple offense uh, when he comes back. Because I just think there were, they, it was just a complete mess uh, during training camp and the preseason and so on. When Mac was in there. Now, with that being said, Mac Jones uh, in his last game in Baltimore before, uh, or against Baltimore before he got hurt, he was turning the ball over a lot. So I don't want to completely forget about that too, because Bailey Zappi has been taking care of the football, unlike Mac Jones was uh, in the beginning of the season. So look, if Bailey Zappi, if he if if he if he does start again, I don't know if he will or not, but. I don't want to say it's a total quarterback controversy, but it's not like Mac Jones has established uh, himself as like the guy, and that they can't they can't possibly replace him. It's not it's not like Dak and Cooper Rush, where Dak Prescott is an established top ten quarterback in the league and borderline elite quarterback. And even though Cooper Rush was more than solid as a QB, it's 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 pretty obvious that he's not like he, that he's not going to take over Dak's position, but for Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones, it's not that big of a drop off. No, I mean, I th- I think that just adds an extra wrinkle to it because as much as you want to believe that Mac Jones is the franchise quarterback, he's a guy you know just based on uh, some of his highlights from last season. The the sample size is small, and he's definitely disappointed. And uh, you know, especially down the stretch, early in the season, the Patriots' offense looks much better right now. Zappi, you know, how much of that is on Zappi just being a better quarterback? Probably not as much as. Uh, it would be on, like you said, the offense maybe being simpler. That seemed like that was what the Patriots were doing, just kind of figuring out a good way to attack two bad defenses is really how you can look at it. And, and then they face the Bears next week on Monday night. Yeah, so, so there's, you know, it's. I don't know if you're fully going to get an answer. It might not be until those games against the Jets and the Colts, uh, but it, it does seem like the Patriots, at least it's a good problem to have right now in terms of whether or not your rookie fourth-round quarterback should be the guy moving forward. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think it, uh, there's there's plenty of reasons to feel better about the Patriots' offense right now, regardless of the competition, and just a matter of you know how long can they keep this up? How long can Zappy keep this up? I mean, he's coming off his best game. Had, you know, he did have the strip sack, but hasn't been throwing interceptions like Jones was doing. Like he definitely seems much more competent and you know confident in himself than you would expect from a you know a quarterback just given his situation. So, on the flip side. Cleveland Browns look bad. Like, oh god, they are yeah. they are not a good football team. Uh, no. Any way you look at it, and uh, you you asked me during the game who I was rooting for, and my response is just I'm rooting against the Browns. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was my guess who who you're gonna say what you were gonna say was that you were yeah you don't like either team, but I think at this point now you'd be rooting more against the Browns than the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wasn't necessarily taking joy in the Patriots intercepting Jacoby Brissett in the first minute of the game, but I was taking joy in watching Jacoby Brissett try to just throw a crazy pass I had no chance of being completed in the first minute of the game and turning it oh, over. Oh, that was that pass was disastrous. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't taking joy in 
Hunter Henry scampering untouched for a 35-yard touchdown, but I was taking lots of joy in the Browns' defense just not even playing defense and the crowd booing them. And I think that was a big factor for me, was that there were Browns and attendants who were going to be really upset about their team losing. And I don't know if I necessarily wanted this game to be a blowout the way it was, but it is nice to see Cleveland disappoint I mean we were talking about going into the season when Deshaun Watson initially had a six game suspension and that their schedule looked very favorable well after those six games are done they're two and four and the schedule gets way tougher from here playing Baltimore Cincinnati Buffalo Miami Tampa and it's hard to imagine that you know Deshaun Watson coming back for those final six games of the season is going to turn around this Browns team and they might they might score more points they very likely will score more points with Watson back, but I don't think, I think the season by then will just be too, it'll just be too little too late by that point. And then I, I mean, they, they would have to, yeah, I don't, I don't like the Browns at this point because this stretch, like you said, the first six weeks is six weeks of the season where it looked like an easy schedule for them. When you go two and four against the, the good part of your schedule and you got more difficult games coming up, it, I, I, I don't think it's good for the Browns right now. No, definitely not. Uh, you know, things things look pretty bleak there. And uh, I got to say, Kevin Stefanski is uh, seemingly on his way to the yeah, Matt I, Nagy that... uh, coaching arc, you know, going from coach of the year in year one to gone within a few seasons. Is, uh, I, thought, I thought things wear he was off. A legit, I thought he was a legitimate good coach, but I think, I think these past couple of years, well, well, like year and a half or so, have shown that yeah, he might not be there like too much longer. I'm sure he'll finish out the year. Like, I'm sure he'll be fine then. But what is his future in Cleveland? I'm not sure because you know if you look back on his year where he won Coach of the Year, he did he did an excellent job. He did, but you could also say the best game that the Browns played that year was the game where Against he was Steelers on his couch. He was, yeah, <laughs> he had COVID. Yeah, I I mean that one of the narratives going into that game was that oh like teams can't win in the NFL without their coach and that did not stop the Browns. So I I think that's a very strong point to be made and um I know that Browns fans are very frustrated with their coaching staff right now and believing that Kevin Stefanski's play calling and Joe Woods defense has led to this team losing a lot of games that they should have won. And that, that's the one thing you say is they're, they're two and four, but they, there's a scenario where this team is five and zero going into the Patriots game. And just all the ways they've been able to lose has just been. And they could, like, and they, <laughs> they barely squeaked out a win versus Carolina. So they yeah. Could barely be beat the Panthers too. in that first game. I know like they, the um, only real, the only good game where they really looked good was versus Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean that that was it. And like that was one where it's 29 to 17 cuz they scored a uh like a fumble touchdown. Yeah, that ra- that random or, uh yeah, that, one of the hook and lateral plays right at the end yeah. of the game. Which I'm sure mattered to some. <laughs> yeah, fantasy-wise, maybe the, I think they covered the spread regardless. But yeah, uh, Browns have been very disappointing this year. Uh can't say I'm upset about it by any means. Uh and uh yeah, this has gone about you know as well as I would have liked for their season to go. You know, one of my bold predictions entering the year was that the Browns would give a top ten pick to the Texans, and right now it doesn't feel like that's uh, you know not going to be the case as the schedule gets much tougher. Regardless of whether or not Watson comes in and things maybe get better with him. Um, so speaking of you know the Browns and Pittsburgh, 
Tom Brady really ruined his marriage and his family just to lose to Mitch Trubisky and the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) Like, I I had that thought in my head. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to say that. And look, last week I said that I was done talking about the Steelers every single week. I had no hope for this team. And I mean, come on, this is my Super Bowl. Like, with the way that this Steelers (laughs) season has gone, beating Tom Brady like that, I. I don't know. My expectations are that much higher moving forward, but this game was a ton of fun for me as a Steelers fan. Uh, Great to see Mitch Trubisky come off the bench after Kenny Pickett got injured, which is unfortunate, but play the best he has at any point this season. You know, it's amazing how well he was able to play when he had nothing to lose, because I think that was a big reason for his early season struggles. And we saw him pass the ball effectively run the ball effectively nine for 12 144 yards touchdown pass to a wide receiver and not just any wide receiver but chase claypool who's been a disaster just has not lived up to the billing yeah Yeah, and then he he had his best uh game of this season by far seven catches 96 yards and a touchdown defense was starting practice squad guys no minka fitzpatrick no cam sutton no akella weatherspoon no levi wallace sealer's top three corners and Guys stepped up. That's what blew my like, mind. It like, it blew my mind either way that Pittsburgh won. But adding on to the fact that they already don't have T.J. Watt and they were missing Minka Fitzpatrick and then just several other guys in their defense. Like, wow, the Bucks are going to shred this defense. I thought especially after sure. getting there, I thought it would be a blowout. Getting blown out by Buffalo. I'm yeah, like, wow, like they're going to have a field As like day. this is going to be a get right game for the Bucks. And really, I think that's a bigger piece of this story is not necessarily oh, that the Steelers sure. won, that... it's that the Bucks lost to this Steelers team, this banged up defense, and looked as bad as they did. No question. Yeah, it, that's a that's a great way to put it for Pittsburgh is that that was their Super Bowl, and who knows how they'll look for the rest of the season, but I think this game says way more about Tampa because, like you said, it's a supposed to be kind of a get-right game for them, especially when you factor in how not only is Pittsburgh not exactly the greatest team, but missing some key players uh, on defense and and then all of a sudden they lay an egg and they they lose i i know it's at pittsburgh and typically a tough t- place to play uh and and brady has certainly had plenty of experience winning and losing games in pittsburgh but much more experience winning. Win much more schedule. experience winning like they they showed the stats and they're like oh the Steelers are 9 and 2 all time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they're probably 2 and 9 against two and nine Tom Brady <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, so that, that was that was a definitely a disappointing game for the Bucks, and kind of shows you that their struggles or their deficiencies on their team should be taken seriously, especially their O line. Uh, Brady, I mean, Brady was yelling at them on the sidelines. Uh, he, yeah, he definitely. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of talk about him blowing up on his teammates on the sideline, especially after going to. Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday night. But yeah, yeah I mean, the, this box offensive line we knew could be a problem, and it, it definitely has been to this point. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the biggest thing I was, I was worrying about coming into the season. But also Brady and his personal struggles and how that factors in onto the playing field because it's it's been pretty noted now that, yeah, Brady and his wife are having uh, marriage issues and likely divorce uh for him as well and yeah and he's he's at Robert Kraft's wedding and he's missing practice I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday he missed practice and missed a walkthrough and it's like this kind of look Tom Brady's the greatest 
quarterback, greatest football player ever. But at the same time, it's like this is kind of a sad way to go if this really is his last year. And I'm sure you don't care, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but uh, you know, but it, it there's something to be said about going out on top or even had he gone out with that Rams game in the playoffs where he orchestrates another comeback ends up you know losing with uh his defense on the field in the end versus whatever is happening right now and i don't think that their season is over i mean the rest of the division is not very good i think the falcons no. are better than expected they got a the big falcons win over the falcons are Niners, an but... three and three team but at the same time the falcons they also have a easy schedule but you could probably say that about a lot of teams yeah, i mean just the whole conference teams. yeah right yeah, it's like oh yeah like, i'm teams. sure half the teams are like we have an easy schedule because we play this team and they say the same thing about you yeah. uh but no i i think that the falcons are you know they did almost beat the box they almost pulled off a big comeback and maybe should have had a chance to pull out the win but there's there's six no against the spread good teams just good teams win but great teams cover just so incredible stat yeah which is yeah absurd that the, the, the saints all teams. saints have definitely been disappointing at the oh, two and yeah. four start the panthers are an absolute disaster right now you know matt rule is gone and i don't think things are any different um Robbie Anderson's uh, gone now, though. So. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. <laughs> not even like 24 hours later, he's already on a different yeah, team. Yeah, just uh, so I think because of that, the Bucks' path to the playoffs still seems pretty good. I mean, the NFC West also doesn't seem as great. You look at the best teams record-wise. Look, look at the, the NFC. It's a Philly, Vikings, Philly's Giants, number Cowboys. One yeah, Eagles the and then Vikings, Giants, Cowboys are the next three yeah, teams the, in terms of record. The, so. the, the, the Giants five and one credit to them, but yeah, I, I would still think Tampa's better than them. And then Minnesota, yeah, I was high on Minnesota, but like I wasn't thinking five and one, and I don't think they look like a five and one team. No, they've definitely been taking a played bit, yeah, beating bad teams, game. yeah, not even beating them convincingly, Just squeaking out at win versus the Lions, uh -huh. and then yeah, Miami's playing with a third string quarterback, so and then, and then and then a concussed. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't know what to think of that game either. Him. Yeah, no. So I, I think that it's also just kind of back and forth and saying, okay, yeah, these teams probably aren't as good. The Bucs are still probably better than them. But are we sure that the Bucs are still like this great team? And I think the way I've been looking at it is by the end of the year, maybe they'll be healthier on the offensive line. Maybe their weapons will be healthier. Maybe Brady will kind of figure out some of his issues. But I don't know if it's a given that all that's going to happen. And you know, maybe we they saw still when they the won division, the Super Bowl, but... there were plenty of struggles for the first three months. Of yeah, the and then took, they got hot right after for them the bye. It, it took a while for them to get going, but yeah, like after the bye, that's when things started to click for them. But so there is history that shows that they can turn around. But at the same time, they're how, not as good how, as that. Twenty. How confident do you either. feel in Tampa actually turning it around again, like they did two years ago? Yeah, I, I don't it's... have. It's hard to feel. They're still super a playoff confident. team. They're still a very likely division winner, uh, especially since the NFC South, like we've mentioned, is just bad. But what is their? What are their chances realistically after that? Yeah, and I think it's the big question. I think we'll start to get some answers uh, as the season progresses. I mean, they they do have some big games coming up. They play the Rams. They play the Niners. Uh, you know they play another game against the Saints at home in prime time. We've seen how that's gone the past few seasons. I know they beat them in Week Two this year, but uh, you know there's definitely opportunities for the Bucks to kind of prove that okay, you know things aren't as bad as they look right now. But 
It's hard to look at this team after, you know, this game going into Pittsburgh, going up against, uh, you know, just that depleted defense and seeing them struggle to score 18 points uh, and feel any sort of uh, positive about them in this moment. So, um, and yeah, like I said, for the Steelers, you know, they played Dolphins seemingly two is back next week, and then they play the Eagles. And if they can find a way to win either of those games, then I'll start to take them more seriously. But for now, this feels kind of like a one-off victory and, uh, you know, just maybe not the worst team in the league, but, you know, still not quite as a playoff contender yet. That's that's a very accurate way to put it. Yeah, so uh, there are two teams who are very much playoff contenders that met this week, uh, very much Super Bowl contenders. I mean, this was a heavyweight showdown in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, and the these two teams kind of back and forth. It was maybe lower scoring than some expected, especially after last year's high-scoring playoff affair, but Buffalo I, pulled out I, a 24-20 to victory. Anytime a game like, this happens where it gets all the hype, like, oh, this is gonna be the greatest regular season. It's just it always lets down. Like the, the the game of the week where everyone everyone's just talking about it all week. And then and then yeah, you see a twenty four to twenty and yeah, like that's I don't want to say that's what I expected. I mean Tony, Tony Romo, Romo did. did. Expect, Tony <laughs> Romo did. <laughs> but I, I expected kind of a letdown offensively just because of how absurd the offenses were in the last the last time they played in the divisional round, but uh, I did think Buffalo would win, and I, I, they they've shown that on both sides of the ball that I think they are the best team in the league, even though they don't have the best record in the league. I think I think uh, a game like that shows that even though they had their moments struggling. Uh, I think they are the best team in the league. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think I've been kind of all over the place with this team. Which I mean, I have too. They, you know, they <laughs> so. looked so good the first two weeks, not as good the last two weeks, but then, you know, beating up on the Steelers last week. And I, I still thought Kansas City at home, you know, I think that I was feeling good about the Chiefs following their um, their win over the Bucks on Sunday Night Football in Week 4, which you know, doesn't look as great as I thought it did at the time. Uh, yeah, um, with how bad Tampa's... One thing I forgot to mention was that Tampa's defense might be overrated. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, after looking back on that, yeah, maybe that win wasn't as impressive. No, no, it was you know more along the lines of their blowout win over the Cardinals in Week One, where it's like, okay, this offense is still capable of putting up points, but the Bills' defense is a phenomenal defense, and you know, I think the Chiefs' defense uh, was much better than expected as well. I think that was part of it, it was just people thinking that you know the Bills' offense versus the Chiefs defense was the most susceptible matchup here. But, uh, you know, they I think this is one where both these teams turned the ball over in the, the red zone. You know, we saw the Bills, which just like a really poor decision by Josh Allen with a like lateral pass Isaiah McKenzie. Oh, yeah, it didn't even McKenzie look like that one, was designed yeah. at all. That, that wasn't that wasn't great. And yeah, just and then Mahomes with a bad in turnover zone. in the, the end zone not long after that. So it just set up for this to be a low scoring game. But uh, I think that my big takeaway from this game is that even though this was close, could have gone either way. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, just a really unpatrick Mahomes like interception at the end of the game when it felt Very like he was going to go on a, a game winning drive following Buffalo taking the lead. I think my biggest takeaway is that the Bills are the better team. Uh, when I look at these two, and especially the fact that this happened in Kansas City, I don't feel very confident in the Chiefs' ability to go in Buffalo and pull out a victory right now. I know it's still early. I know last year the Bills won in the regular season, but when they met in the playoffs, I think that arrowhead home field advantage is 
is big, and I think that the Buffalo home field advantage would be even bigger. That's what I was just about to say, is that Buffalo did beat them in the regular season uh, at Kansas City, but that was was a blowout, too. Mm Mm-hmm. I do, I do actually agree with that though. Is that I think playing at Buffalo is, I think, is harder uh, for opposing teams or Kansas City in this matter than it is for Buffalo to beat KC, uh, even even in the playoff, uh, even in the playoffs. Because in Buffalo in January it'd be extremely cold. And I remember one time watching Get Up and Rob Ninkovich was talking about how tough it is to play on the road at Buffalo in in that kind of weather and how the the locker room <laughs> is actually the visiting locker room uh is not exactly the most ideal uh room for for opposing teams so why is that, that kind of show like wait, it, what is it like in the open do you get the the cold apparently air? there's like one bathroom oh really <laughs> and, okay and it's like real and it's also like a really not suitable kind of small locker room for a visiting play yeah look rob nikovich he played for like what 10 years in the league and he played it for New the England patriots the in division time, right? so he'll yeah. so the fact that he's saying that about buffalo <laughs> that kind of shows you that like all right like this could be bad for opposing teams uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I would be really interested to see these teams play in Buffalo because we've seen them play in Kansas City so Kansas many City, times. Like, like, half a dozen times. They played uh, in Buffalo in 2020 with no fans, and you know that was a pretty poor weather game. The Chiefs managed I don't even to remember that out. game. Yeah, it was, it was on it was, like uh, a... You know, I vaguely... It was, it was like low scoring. Uh-huh. Uh, it was in bad I weather. I, I think it was raining, was, cold. I think Kansas City won. Yeah, Chiefs ended up winning the game, but that was also when the Bills were just kind of like screwed over by the Titans because you know they their schedule just got changed up a ton. So uh, that was just a weird year and a weird time of the year for football. So I don't know that you can really read too much into that, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it would be interesting to see these teams play in Buffalo. And I would have to give the advantage to the Bills. And the fact that they won, like, you know, they now own the tiebreaker head-to-head. So their path to that number one seed seems much clearer than it would be for Kansas City. Um, But it it is still early. It is kind of crazy to be talking about home field advantage in the playoffs after week six. But I think that is the reality when you get a matchup between two teams like this. So... Uh, big game for Svon Diggs. I will say that Juju Smith-Schuster finally had a, a really solid game uh, for the Chiefs. Yeah, the, the, it's been basically, even though their offense has been great, you could say it, their wide receivers haven't done anything up until that point. No, and it was basically all Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey and, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire and, and Jerry McKinnon and yeah, just whoever, whatever running backs they were using. Like the receivers the have not panned out for the first month of the season, but MVS, he had a good game. Uh, not not this past game, but yeah, the, against the, the Raiders. Before, against the Raiders, right on Monday night, and then Juju, yeah, he had a great game yesterday, and yeah, we'll see what how their receivers do because it took a took a while for them to break out, and then they still have Hardman and Sky Moore, and so and I'd imagine I'd imagine someone like Sky Moore will be getting more snaps on their offense at some point. So that's one thing to look at for Casey's offense is that they still they probably still haven't reached their full potential yet. 
Yeah, and I think that's a big thing to to look at. And the, the reality is, like Kansas City has a lot more guys seemingly than last year, but they don't have a Tyree Kill. They don't have a Stephon Diggs like Buffalo has on the other side, and that you know clearly was a a big difference. And maker. Then don't forget Gabe Davis. Oh, for sure. I mean, Davis. Yeah, he has that. He home just run own, He just owns Kansas City uh, apparently. <laughs> yep. So uh, definitely, you know, even though it wasn't as high scoring, it was still a fun, exciting game. Still close. Maybe not the full, you know, 50 to 45 type score, but it was, it was a competitive one. And it was definitely fun to watch and definitely worth, you know, tuning into that one, um, you know, with that being the standalone CBS game. So, you know, we talked about these two teams of the AFC. You mentioned the Bills don't have the best record in the league. That is the Eagles coming into week five and still, or coming into week six and still after week six. They remain unbeaten. Beat division rival Dallas Cowboys. And another thing you talked about, you know, Dak Prescott probably still being the guy over Cooper Rush. I think after this week, it's it's apparent that if Dak is good to go on Sunday as expected, he should be taking over as the Cowboys starting quarterback. Good for Cooper Rush to play well as well as he did in, in the in the five games that he played. But yeah, that the game yesterday though, that shows you that he's not the long-term option <laughs> and he certainly came back down to earth in that game so so yeah, yeah good for the Cowboys to finally get Dak back and the way they've looked four, four and two we thought it was over for them but uh I think so far even though they lost yesterday they lost to a one of the best teams in the league and so it looks like Dallas they'll be in the mix uh, by the end of the season but for Philly yeah they look like Arguably one of the best, if not the best, team in the league. They have the best record. There, there were there was a stretch in that second half, though. I will say, where Dallas outplayed them in that third quarter and parts of the fourth quarter. So I guess that's one thing to worry about for Philly is that they didn't, even though they won, they didn't play a perfect game. They, yeah, they it got looks to a, like a blowout. Start. Yeah, it looks like a blowout early, like and then Dallas blowout, came then all Dallas, the way back almost. Dallas was hanging in there still, and they definitely outplayed the Eagles in the third quarter. I don't know if that had if it was because they left their foot off the gas or if and and or if it's maybe a thing to look at for Philly is that maybe they're not like this juggernaut team, but I do think they're they're really good on both sides of the ball still though. Yeah, so Cooper Rush one point zero passer rating in the first half, uh, not that's, very good. That's not great. Yeah, and uh, you know he I think that you know the Cowboys as a whole played better in the second half of this one, and you know talking about Philly stepping off the gas, I think maybe that was a bit of concern back in Week One when they were up big over the Lions and end up right. only pulling out a three point win. Uh, I don't know that any of their victories since then have gone the same route, but definitely something to to look at. Uh, I think I agree. Eagles, I don't know that I'm convinced that they're better than Buffalo or even Kansas City or some of the other teams on the AFC side, but right now it's hard not well, to the say NFC, they're the best th- team I in the they're NFC. The best team. Like yeah. They're the most complete team in the league probably when it just comes down to not really having weaknesses anywhere. And you know, Jalen Hurts was always going to be the big question is what kind of quarterback is he? And he continues to play well. You know, The Eagles, it's hard to, to like not like this team. I think that the Cowboys are still a very good football team. You know, I I was curious to see how that defense would look going up against the Eagles offensive line, which is probably the best in the league. They still managed to get four sacks of Jalen Hurts. Like, I think that the Cowboys defense, like this is kind of a prove it game for them. Uh, You know, are they 
really like this great defense or they just been taking advantage of bad offenses and I think that at least they're playing the second half kind of proved it you know they were some I think that you know Cooper Rush set them up with some short fields here in uh the first half but uh overall I think that I'm impressed by Dallas but you know I'm also more impressed by the Eagles you know continuing to pull out these victories and going to 6-0 and and it doesn't seem like they'll be slowing down anytime soon Especially yeah, playing they, the NFC schedule, like <laughs> yeah. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of another team that has an easy schedule coming up, the Eagles uh, definitely do, and yeah, it, I'm sure it's inevitable that they'll they'll have a bad game that we won't see coming, and then they'll lose. But regardless, I think I do think yeah, we could certainly question if they're better than Buffalo or Kansas City, but in the NFC, especially with how much Tampa is struggling and San Francisco and and the Rams just looking at the other quote unquote top teams in the NFC like they're they're not looking very strong whatsoever and but the Eagles have been uh, through these first 6 weeks so I think I think it's undisputed that they're the best team in the NFC maybe not the league but in the NFC yeah and you know one team that you didn't mention there Green Bay Packers. Who, oh. <laughs> I mean, they're another team that's three and three, another team that had expectations, and another team that lost to New York with the the Jets beating them a week after the Giants beat them, who the Giants are also five and one, beat the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, the New New York football right now is the best it's been in a very oh my long God. time. I, I can't I can't recall the last time it's been this good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both of these teams, like they both look legit right now. We'll see how everything plays out, but it's nine and three. Yeah, it's hard not to look at these teams and think that at the very least they're playoff contenders, just given how strong of a start they've gone off to. I guess you know we can talk about the Packers. Let's start with the Jets. I mean, they're a team that got a lot of hype just this off season, particularly after the draft. I think there were a lot of people saying, "Oh, I think that they've passed the Patriots," and. We'll find out kind of soon where that stands with uh, those two teams playing twice in three games in um, late October and into November. But four and two right now, and they they beat Green Bay. Like this yeah. wasn't a case of you know that these two teams both struggling. Like the Jets won pretty convincingly. Yeah, I think the Jets. I, I look. I I thought I had them coming in the last in the division. Like I'm not gonna lie about that. Uh, I did have them last coming in the AFC East coming into the year, but I did. I did like their draft. Or I, I thought they made some improvements on their team where they added Garrett Wilson alongside Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore hasn't done anything, but still, like, those are two solid receivers to have on your team. And then Brees Hall looks like Offensive Rookie of the Year so far. Yep, he's and been great. It, yeah, he's been great. And then defensively, uh, I think defensively they've been pretty good. They they shut down Green Bay to 10 points. and And then... Sauce Gardner with the cheese head after the end of the game, and he's been he's been, <laughs> yeah he's, he's been good to start. He's the year. been awesome. I wasn't sure how that transition would be for him, uh, you know, coming from uh, the American Athletic Conference in Cincinnati, but that has not been a concern at all. And Almost had a pick Williams six in also, this one, and then Quinn Williams has also been a, a beast, uh, or he was in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the the Jets look. The Jets, I, I still don't think they're like I know they're four and two right now. I I would still pick them to not make the playoffs, but they're not a pushover team. Like it's not like oh this oh it's the Jets like we're gonna kill this team. Like no, I, they're they're a team that I definitely take more seriously now than I have in past years. Yeah, and they they definitely deserve to be taken seriously. I 
think that you know we talked about the NFC a lot of teams disappointing I think the AFC has had plenty of teams that had high expectations going into the year you know two teams playing Monday night football before we are recording the Chargers and the Broncos and uh, you know that those are teams that have uh, talk about two teams that have <laughs> Staley seemingly, versus Hackett. What a matchup yeah. that is! I mean, seemingly yeah. a lot of talent on both of those teams, and they haven't been able to put it together. And you'll hear a team like the Jets that has some talent, but also a lot of guys that you're like, oh, they're not all that great, and yet they've found a way to win football games. I think that's been kind of a weird year in that there have been a lot of teams where I don't know if it's just coaching or it's what. Just, this but, is. This has been the weirdest year. Yeah, just so many teams. <laughs> Which that I'm sure are... there's reason. I'm sure there's recency bias in that, and I'm sure there have been other past seasons that have been w- just as weird. But I, I th- feels, this, this season doesn't make any feels sense feels like to me. it's been yeah worse than in past years. There's just so many teams you look at. You're like, are they really good? Are they really bad? It doesn't really make a ton of sense. And uh, I, I love I love what you texted me yesterday, where it's like on the second week in a row is like. Is this New York team better than we thought, or is are the really Packers bad. Yeah. that bad? Yeah, and I think that you know that's certainly a question we have to ask about the Packers right now because they have not looked great this season. I mean, they got blown out by the Vikings. They played okay in a win over the Bears, not as big as you like, as good as they you would squeaked think. out a win versus third string quarterback. Yeah, they against well Tampa. They ended up pulling out a win on the road, but that was one I think they were up fourteen but Tampa was to nothing. Missing their three- top three receivers yeah and then uh you know these past two weeks losing to the Giants and the Jets and you know maybe we'll look back and say that oh those losses weren't as bad as we thought because New York keeps winning you know either of them both of them but Green Bay is just they're a mess right now I mean you talk about Brady and you know his issues Aaron Rodgers does not look any better I mean the, the Packers are not anywhere close to the kind of football team no, that the, I was the, expecting the Packers are I mean, not yeah. I like to brag a little bit. Like I did, I did have them as not a division winner, but I still thought they'd be good. Like I'm yeah, not right. Like, oh, they, I thought they would. I did I, not think they'd be. Yeah, I mean, bad. I I think it was easy to point to their receiving core and say, okay, maybe you know Rodgers will struggle a bit. It might take some time, but they can't run the ball. I mean, the Jets are not a great run defense, <laughs> and the, the have, Packers and had have sixty both, total rushing have, yards against. I them. I thought they have, uh, or at least I thought like they have the one of the best, if not the best rushing duo yeah with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones Jones. like both those guys are like they're both have different skill sets like Jones the better pass catcher and Dillon's more of a power runner but they're both great with their skill sets as runners and in theory got anything out of them and then yeah the receivers was kind of expected where like okay Alan Lazard is decent but he's not a number one and then Romeo Dobbs has been pretty good but He's, he's a rookie. Like a Christian Watson's either. a rookie. Sammy Christian Watson's a disaster. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tanyan had a good game yesterday, but he hasn't done much uh, besides yesterday. And yeah, when it comes to their offense, okay, they clearly don't have the talent. And so if they don't have the talent, you got to find, I feel like coaching wise, you got to find more creative ways to get them open. And I just, I don't see, I, I don't see a lot of creativity in their offense like I know they don't have like the most talent now especially without Devontae but yeah I mean I they, they I, did lose Nathaniel Hackett their offensive coordinator oh yeah so. I'm sure that's a huge <laughs> loss uh but I think as much as um their offense has struggled I think that their defense was a reason to believe that the yeah, Packers will be a really a, good team a, and their defense just hasn't been as good as expected either yeah watching these past two games I'm I'm thinking to myself like did, did I I thought this defense was supposed to be the the backbone of their team. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, 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 that has not it looked, has not looked like it. I mean, their run defense is really bad. Brees oh, Hall carved him up, and even, he's one of several running backs in recent weeks to do so. Yeah, like Saquon ran all over them. Brees Ramonde Hall Sierenson. ran all over them. Even even David Montgomery, yeah. like, like the Bears are a joke, and even he had a good game. Versus, he, he, versus... Yeah, I know he's always great against them in prime time. But yeah, I mean the the Packers defense is definitely a problem. Getting guys like Jair Alexander back has not really fixed them, and you know it's it's kind of a similar thing with Tampa in a way. But Minnesota's five and one right now. They have the head to head tiebreaker. I don't know if I fully believe in the Vikings if their schedule starts to toughen up, but. The Packers are, you know, their team. It's not a good division. Yeah, you still want to believe that they can be a playoff team, but it's hard to look at them as anything better than that right now. No, I, I, I think I, I still think they'll turn it around, and I still think they're a playoff team. But I don't, I don't think they're that much better than that, which is kind of similar to Tampa. But I, I would, Tampa, I still wouldn't completely count out. I still think. They had a really good start to the year defensively, and maybe they'll turn that around. and And like you said earlier, maybe they'll get some guys back on their offensive line, and and they'll figure things out. And we've seen in history that they have turned around. But for Green Bay, these last two years, they've been the number one seed, and then and then they blow it. But now it's now it's, it's kind yeah. of different, where they're struggling now in the in the uh-huh. beginning of the season, and. I know, I know. Rogers has mentioned the past R E L A X, relax, and then has turned it around. But even but then, that, I but mean, the, the, but he's ha- he's they've had better teams. Yeah, and like this this Packers team just does not look very good right now. And they're three and three. It's hard to imagine them getting the thirteen wins, and they still have to play the Bills and the Eagles on the road. They host the Cowboys. And that's in prime time. Yeah, both both on one. Sunday night football. Both Bills and Eagles are Sunday night football. Oh, both games. of them. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah they both, play both the the just, Cowboys and Titans back to back, and that's a short week with Tennessee on a Thursday night. And yep. they they play the Rams and the Dolphins and the Vikings and three in a row weeks 15 through 17 so like they, they the schedule is tough and you know we could look at the giants and the jets say oh those are teams that they should beat but you know they didn't and um you know it's hard to believe that green bay is going to turn things around without something drastic changing whether it's I guys agree. just getting better or you know i don't know like you know they could maybe try to add another yeah, weapon trade or add someone and i don't know if one wide receiver is going to fix this team i think it's going to take a, a lot of moves for for them yeah, to it, get to where they should be i completely agree with that uh, and i guess talking about the giants they went out and they beat the ravens uh they, they were at home but they were also pretty big underdogs like the jets were and uh New York just keeps winning. It doesn't matter which team. And I, I think that the when you look at the NFC East, you could make cases for Nick Sirianni, 6-0, and head coach of the year, Mike McCarthy, 4-2, and given everything he's dealt with both before the season and during the season. But, but Brian Dable is the coach of the year. As of I, right I agree. I would, I would agree with that. I That you can make a case for those other guys like you mentioned, but if the season were to end today, I would pick Brian Dable as a coach of the year because the Giants – Kind of similar to what I said last week is that even though I thought their offense had some potential in their team in general, I didn't think they'd be anywhere near this good. They're I mean they're, they're doing five this and one with, and they don't even have a great five, roster. Like, no, like it's it like offensively it's Saquon and then uh, a lot of Jag receivers. Yeah, just like practice squad guys. I mean Darius Slayton's their number one receiver right now. 
he Daniel was great Jones. in his rookie year, and he, he's done nothing. He, he he did nothing last year. I don't even know if he was healthy last year, but he's finally <laughs> come back to earth. Or he's come back to playing well now. Um, yeah, and they they need him because you know Daniel Jones just doesn't have like consistent receivers to throw to because everybody's hurt. Kadarius Tony, their first round pick, injured. Uh, what's the the Kenny Galladay? Just... Kenny Galladay is a is a is he's a mess. He's a disaster, I don't even know what to expect yeah. from him. I know he's I know he's hurt, but even when he's not hurt, he doesn't do anything. Uh, and Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson had a touchdown. Yeah, yesterday. definitely hoping that he can, uh, you know, establish himself. He's he's a rookie who missed the first month of the year with an injury. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Giants are another team that's kind of – they're fun to watch right now. Like, they're they're exciting. And, uh, you know, as much as this game was about them winning, it was also about another Ravens collapse, which has happened far too often this year. They are 3-3, three and three, and yet – They've trailed for what I saw a graphic, a total of 120 seconds this season, which is unbelievable to think about. They've been winning all of these games, and yet they've found ways to lose. Uh, I want to check that stat because I don't know that I fully believe that they've only traveled two minutes, but they led the entire way against Miami, and I think they blew that lead with 17 seconds ago. And then Buffalo. Buffalo, they, they were the, up. Actually, Buffalo, the, they were only losing at the end of the game, right? The, 20, the very last yeah, play. Yeah, as time expired. And then, yeah, this and then the they were winning the and whole And then way. the this Giants game, they were winning for most of that game until the last minute and a half or so. Yeah, so it's been a oh, really... They've been, a, they've, they've been bad in the fourth quarter. Lamar, yeah, really bad Lamar, fourth quarter. especially, he has, I think, one touchdown and four interceptions in the fourth quarter this year. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I mean, he... He had a really bad interception in this one where he tried to make a play off a bad snap and he set the Giants up with a short field where they were Which able to. Which is kind of similar to what happened the week before. That one wasn't as bad because it was fourth down in the end zone. But that interception also put them at the 20 yard line instead of the like the one yard line for, for Buffalo. Uh-huh. And so you could say that was not another not good decision on Lamar's part. And. Lamar puts up crazy numbers rushing wise and fun to watch, but at the same time, I I I always I always think Baltimore is a playoff team because they have good parts. They're they're a team that takes seriously, and they they've always have had tough teams, and they've always ran the ball well. And I think they're one of the most well coached teams because there aren't a lot of good good yeah, I mean John John uh, Harbaugh definitely established himself as one of the best head coaches in football yeah. so so even though I always take Baltimore seriously in that aspect I also think their ceiling is always capped because I just don't think when it comes to Lamar I don't know like I don't know if he has the that winning quality clutch it factor quality as a quarterback even though he's he's great he like to watch as a runner and all that, but I don't know. And I, I think it's a fair criticism of him. And I, I have sung his praises a lot. I have openly stated that I think that he deserves a big time contract with lots of guarantees that should rival and most likely top a lot of the guys we've seen get paid in recent years. But that kind of performance is not a, you know, $230 million guaranteed performance. That was a really, disappointing performance uh, down the stretch and just making just boneheaded plays you know that interception was really costly and I think that it's fair to say that we've seen him put up great numbers to start games he's an exciting player to watch uh, but 
he hasn't been someone who can really come through in the clutch a ton. You know, he, there have been very minimal moments where he's been able to lead comebacks. And, uh, you know, in this game, he just had to protect the ball to, you know, help the Ravens salt the way a win. And he wasn't able to do that with their defense being as banged up and not good as it's looked the past few, uh, you know, six weeks of the season. It just makes things even worse. That's why the Ravens are three and three, despite winning all of these games for, you know, so much of them. Agreed. So, uh, I mean, I still think that, you know, the Ravens are in decent shape. I think their head-to-head win over the Bengals uh, could be pretty key for them moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, it, I came to this season believing that the Ravens were very much a, like a Super Bowl threat. Uh, they were my pick to win the AFC North. And, you know, I need to see them play more complete football. Right now, they're only game up on the Steelers. So... <laughs> That's, uh, you know, just kind of amazing to think about, you know, just given how those two teams have looked in, you know, a lot of this this season. You know, I've learned through these first six weeks, it's easy to predict a team to not be as good as we think they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, but yes. it's difficult to, to, to pick a team that you think will be good and, and exceed expectations, unless if you thought that for like the Giants or the Jets uh-huh. or a team that we really didn't see coming. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's been a crazy year. I've not been able to predict anything correctly. It feels no, like, God. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, for, for every for every good prediction I've had, there's like nine bad ones. Way way so. more bad ones. Yeah, no, this season has definitely been a reality check for me. It's been fun <laughs> for the somewhat. Um, you know, obviously the Steelers being as bad as they are hasn't been, but. Uh, it, it's been overall kind of an exciting NFL season where it doesn't feel like there are a ton of teams that are really great, a ton of teams that are really bad, and there's like a lot still left to be decided. I think that's one exciting thing is that you know pretty much any team can believe that they still have a chance, but at the same time, there are a lot of teams that it's like, eh, I don't know how we feel after six weeks because things have not looked great overall. So Yeah, there are a lot of teams where it's like, oh, well, they have a good record, but they really, as good as they... Uh, as their record shows and then yeah there's a lot of teams that are underachieving or like yeah they could turn around but oh man things yeah does look, things does look, look bad for some of these uh-huh. teams yeah so we'll see i think that this by now week six you would think that you'd have a general idea of how good or bad certain teams are and i don't know that we can say that about many teams so you know as the season goes on i think we'll start to get a better picture but for now let's move on from nfl and let's talk about major league baseball postseason ALDS, NLDS took place this you know, past weekend, and at the time of recording, it's not completely over. Yankees and Guardians are underway. I think we'll try to stay updated with uh, how that one unfolds, but we have our NLCS matchup, and there are a lot of people in big markets who aren't a huge fan of it being the Phillies and the Padres, the fifth seed and the sixth seed in the National League. Phillies beat the defending champion Atlanta Braves in four games, and the Padres beat the 2020 COVID champion Dodgers also in four games. So I think, I guess, what is your reaction to a lot of the the controversy and the debate surrounding these, uh, you know, what people are saying about how this uh, Major League Baseball postseason has unfolded, given this being a new format? I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like I do like the new format. And I'm I'm not like I said last week, I don't think this transforms baseball and fixes everything, but I I, uh, 
I I see the I see more positives uh, in this new format, and I like how I I like I like the I like the matchup because yeah, I'm I'm certainly not a believer in the L.A. Dodgers like playoff wise because they have one World Series win in our lifetime or at least past several years, and it was the COVID year. Yeah, in the so, sixty game season, no 60 fans. Sixty game seasons, like oh great, yeah, that's that's awesome, but. You you win all these games every they single year. They won 111 year, games 100, this year. 100 plus games every year, and then they just blow it. Whether if it's the divisional series or uh, NLCS or World Series, like they always find a way to blow it. And so yeah, and it they play best of seven instead, and okay, they would just lose game five to San Diego because that was the way that series was playing out. I mean, the, the Dodgers were not good. They I think went 15 and four against the Padres in the regular season, just totally dominated them. And I think it was easy to believe that more of the same would happen, even though San Diego was looking pretty good. You know, they beat the Mets. Uh, they were playing some solid baseball. I think that it was easy to say Dodgers are a loaded baseball team and they'll still find a way to beat the Padres and own their yeah. rivals. And they did not do that. San Diego won. And those fans were having a great time. Uh, I mean, I, Game four, five runs in the seventh inning, and then the sky opened up, started to rain down on them, and did not matter. Like that whole crowd was going crazy, just filled with Padres Brown, and um, it just was an exciting atmosphere. And I'm really happy to see San Diego advance as well as Philadelphia. Part of it was just Dodgers and Braves. I mean, we've seen those teams in the NLCS how many years in a row, you know, (laughs) I guess just two years in a row, but like those teams are always there and it's nice to see two different teams. And Phillies are in the same boat, like the Padres, where they hadn't made the playoffs in over a decade, Uh, you know, hadn't played in front of a a home crowd, uh, like San Diego's case, because 2020 they made it, but you know, there were no fans there. They weren't playing in San Diego, but the Phillies first two playoff games and they beat up on the Braves. They yeah. were also going crazy. Game game three, especially when I think it was Hoskins who hit that home run. And oh yeah, just, slams his bat. On yeah, the just ground. like that crazy, was, that was a cool disrespectful and, bat flip. But yeah, very cool. Uh, I mean, they they blew him out nine to one in game three. Game four, they also won fairly convincingly. JT Realmuto inside the park home run, like that was an <laughs> yeah, awesome was moment. It was eight to three final score. So. Fans are complaining about losing 111 win, 101 win teams, but the reality is baseball playoffs are a crapshoot, and it's what makes them exciting. It all comes down to just a best of three or a best of five or a best of seven game season. And if you want to say, oh, you're just devaluing the 162 game season, do you want to go back to like the 1950s when it was just an American League winner and a National League winner beating the World Series? I don't. I love the baseball playoffs. I think it's exciting. I, I like it. I mean, I've I've seen teams get screwed over before, and it sucks to be on that end of it. But it's also fun to see some of these teams that just get hot out of nowhere and, you know, go on these awesome runs and end up, you know, playing in and winning a World Series. And adding another team, like we mentioned last week, is that more teams will be motivated to try hard and try to compete for a playoff spot. And even though as much as I love the one-game playoff, I think it's – I think it is better that it's a three-game series to start out the postseason and not just be screwed over by one game. Like have a have a three-game series and then a five-game series and, and extend these series as the, the longer the the postseason goes on. So yeah, I, I I think the format has has been a success and and yeah, I I I personally like it that yeah, it's it, these two teams because. Uh. Like I obviously I don't like the Dodgers, so screw them. And then the Braves, I think, are boring. Like I know they won last year, good yeah. for them, but I don't know. It's not like a real baseball market. While 
unlike Atlanta, Philadelphia, again, like those fans were going nuts. And I think like I, I, I don't like the Eagles. I don't like <laughs> the Sixers. I don't like the Flyers. But, but the Phillies and, are. And, I, and then yeah. the Phillies are like, by default, like they're the ones I like the most out of Philly. I agree with that. I think. But, and then the Philadelphia sports fans, like they're the most ruthless people on earth. But I got to respect their, like how passionate they are. Yeah. And I mean, I it, think it was a good weekend to be a Philly sports fan. Yeah. You know, between the Eagles being the Cowboys, Phillies going to the NLCS, even the Flyers are 2 and 0, which we'll see how long that lasts. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, and I love that. I love that they were mocking the Braves thing, like that that uh, the, oh chant that they do. I love that they're mocking that chant, and they were even get getting at Marcel Azuna, if you remember. Yep. If you oh saw yeah, that. yep. I know. I mean, he he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. No, I fair. I I think uh yeah I think it's fun to have a fan base like Philadelphia, you know, be relevant with their sports teams, uh, especially in a sport like baseball, where, like you said, you know, they're worse Philly sports teams to see win than the Phillies. Give give me, give me a real fan base and a different matchup. Like not like LA and like every single year. And like, not that LA's uh, like, not that Dodgers fans are bad, but like, I don't know. Just, just, yeah, they're there every year, with, and they always Philly find and ways to choke. And it. yeah, I guess. What are your thoughts on Dave Roberts being retained as their manager? Supposedly, I, I like Dave Roberts, so I'm biased. Do you like <laughs> but, Dave Roberts because of a Red Sox player, or yeah. because he's a, yeah, <laughs> exactly? But, okay, like, it's, it's it's more of the Red Sox thing. Was, but no, like as a manager, I do think that he's very fortunate that he has a loaded team every I think year. he leaves a lot to be desired. I think he yeah. finds ways to mismanage that team. And I find myself so frustrated with him very, like, all the time. Like, he's someone who I just don't agree with a ton of the decisions he makes. No, I, and I just, I keep going back to back in April when he pulled Clay, Clay and Kershaw from a perfect game in the seventh inning. And it's just like so I I completely agree with you. It's just that like I do like Dave Roberts going back to the no, and I get it. I appreciate Dave Roberts as a manager. Player. He's not great. Yeah, he's, and I just it's like just, it's just weird to fire someone who wins hundred plus games every single year. And I I know that obviously the playoffs are what really counts. It's it's just weird to fire someone that has that much success. Uh, and I, I mean the, I get it. Season. I get it, but you know when I think the playoffs, he just constantly seems my easy answer my easy question would just be like well who do you want to replace dave roberts with but i don't know it does no i will say i think it matters because i think that san diego has a seen a huge difference with bob melvin being their manager as opposed to jason and then philly fired joe was it joe girardi yeah they fired joe girardi Girardi yeah uh, midway through the season yeah thompson turns them around literally right away they won like 13 in a row right after you got fired right just something (laughs) insane so uh yeah i think that that just kind of shows that having a great manager is, is very impactful, at least in the regular season at that point. And I think that, you know, both of them, uh, you know, they, they did what they had to do in the postseason. Um, you know, to specifically call out Roberts pulling Tyler Anderson after five innings because what he was facing the third time through the lineup, even though he was dealing and then the bullpen blew the game. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of the direction that baseball's going in as a whole, but it was, uh, I think, just another frustrating mistake to see from uh, Roberts. It was a perceived mistake and something that clearly didn't work out with the way that game unfolded. And uh, for everyone complaining about the 111-win Dodgers and the 101-win Braves losing in the NLDS, 
The Astros won 106 games. They're in the ALCS. They swept the Mariners. Wasn't a blowout series. All three games were close. 18-inning marathon, one nothing final, first home game in Seattle. I and, tapped out after the 10th inning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was not uh, keeping up with that one as, as closely as others. But, I mean, can you imagine? First playoff game in 21 years you get to go to, and it's scoreless for 17 innings. Just six, <laughs> like six hours, hours of nothing. Oh and it, it was really good pitching, sure, but... That's uh, that's got to be so frustrating. Uh, I don't know if I could fan. handle that. I'm not even joking. Like, if I were, let's say there, were, like it was Astros Red Sox, an hour at the game, and it was taking that long. I don't know no, if I could I don't, take it. I don't, I don't know that. I, I, I think could. I would leave after. I don't know. Twelve. Yeah. So don't they? 50. So what happens? They stop serving alcohol at the seventh inning stretch, right? Do they resume <laughs> yeah. and be like <laughs> that? Can you imagine? You're you would be like. So hung over by the end of the game, if you stayed and didn't lead to go to a bar, <laughs> you'd have the 16th inning stretch. Yeah, just <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know that would be uh, such a frustrating thing to to deal with. But uh, I think the Astros are an example that having a bye and having that long rest doesn't automatically mean that a team that played in the first round maybe got a little hot there is going to have an advantage over you and also shows you that they're still good oh yeah yeah right i mean the the astros are still the which is why i don't i don't i don't hate the astros like as much as other Mm -hmm. as much as most people i will say though now that they're still in it and we see like who the five teams are that are left i will say like they're probably the well besides the yankees but yeah i would root for i still want to see win over them i don't i I don't hate them but at the same time i don't want them in the world series again yes it's boring to me. Still root for them over the Yankees if the Yankees pull it out. So that their game's delayed. I don't know if that's not even going to happen today or what the... Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I assume they're going to try to play it at some point uh, if they didn't just straight up postpone it. But oh, you're right. we have not missed anything. So uh, we'll see. And I guess, you know, let's talk about it. Uh, Guardians, Yankees, 2-2. Yankees won game one in game four. Garrett Cole pitched, and he pitched really well. I mean, that's why... Teams want to still spend a ton of money on starting pitching, especially a guy like Garrett Cole. He definitely earned his pinstripes and kind of showed why that contract was given. Him, but <laughs> that, that yeah, was, that was definitely his best performance uh, as a Yankee so far. Yeah, he, he and they're sa- he definitely saved them, uh, saved them in that series. Oh, for sure, especially losing Game Two and Game Three the way they did. Game Two and, then, and, and extra then he innings. He gave up the and, home run to Nailer and oh yeah, the, four, uh-huh. which was. His celebration. Look, I, I, I think it's. I think it's cool. I'm glad that baseball should have more emotion, uh-huh. and especially on home runs. But I do think the the, the baby thing, like, oh, I'm yeah, his daddy. that was a little I thought, weird. I, I thought that was weird, like doing it around the entire diamond and and not even being that great. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I wasn't. Even though it was Indians or excuse me, Guardians, that one's gonna take the longest to get to get used to of all the team names to yeah. get used to guardians and Indian, like that one's by far the the most difficult for me but yeah when it came to that home run even though it benefited the guardians even i was like watching when that happened i was yeah like, watching yeah. the celebration like it's yeah it's like oh, dude you guys are losing <laughs> and and i don't know I didn't things know. didn't get better from there i mean that was their their last highlight i guess it's easy to say because of that like hindsight Uh like yeah they didn't even do anything after that so it makes me it makes it easier to say that now yeah and i I thought the yankees bullpen was gonna implode again like they did on uh in game three 
Uh, I don't know why Clay Holmes wasn't turned to. I would think that being, uh, you know, bases loaded up by a run in the bottom of the ninth would be an emergency situation. Aaron Boone said Holmes is only available in emergencies, but he pitched really well in the eighth inning, game four, and um, was it Lasaga or Wani Peralta pitched the ninth? I, yeah. I forget whoever. Yeah, which know, one of them? And just you know, quickly retired the side. So. Uh, whenever they're able to play that game five, which, you know, we'll see if it happens by the time this episode is released. Uh, All in on the Guardians, though. Yeah, no, I I hope they can pull it off. Jamison Tyone took the loss in game three. He's pitching tonight. You know, I I love him, just, you know, what he went through um, with his cancer battle and his time in Pittsburgh, but I'm not going to root for him as a member of the Yankees, especially in a clinching playoff game. So Absolutely not, and... I would love to see Francona win again. Mm-hmm. Definitely the best Red Sox manager of all time. And as a Red Sox fan, with especially with all the struggles that they've had this past season, as spite, I would like to see a matchup between Francona <laughs> versus Dombrowski. That would be yeah, pretty sweet. That would be or interesting. Or Francona versus Orsillo. <laughs> so be true. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, know, I don't know. I know that, <laughs> I know that Orsilla has nothing uh, to do with like the team management or anything. Well, but. they did fire him after that 2015 season, tried to make yeah. it seem like it was his fault that the Red Sox yeah, were bad. So, so out of spite, uh, I would like to see one of those three. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> honestly, but particularly it, Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to look at that when the Red Sox, you know, won two World Series after firing Francona. Like, the way that 2011 season ended, I don't know how much you put that on him, but that was really bad. So I understand making a move. And Dombrowski... I get it. It was a Dombrowski was, a was like, hey, he September. did his job winning a World Series, and yeah. then it's like, uh, this. he handed out some bad contracts that, like, really screwed over the Red Sox um, in terms of being able to keep some of the star players. But So even though it was arguably the right decisions to move on from those guys... They both have the same, success. In at their the next same spot. time, it's just like uh-huh. it'd, be, it'd be kind of funny if those two teams met. In the no, it would be interesting. Guardians, Phillies. Yeah, it would be. I think that uh, two two teams that have real fan bases, and there's it's more interesting if 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 uh, if those teams were in it and not like the Astros. And then there's just a spite factor for me. <laughs> so no, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I definitely uh, felt that way with Mookie Betts, and like that was why I didn't have an issue with the Dodgers winning World Series. I was happy to true, see Mookie win. Especially yeah, when, when, when the Dodgers won, like yeah, barely meant it, anything. It's like you know what, Joe Kelly, Mookie, uh, Dave Roberts, all three former Red Sox legends. Yeah, legends but, is probably not the right word to use for one of them, <laughs> but 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 I was a huge Joe Kelly guy. So uh, no, I <laughs> so mean, I, I, yeah, I think that made it easy for uh, you know those three. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've definitely been enjoying the MLB playoffs. I think like the, the past two weekends have been a lot of fun. And, you know, there's been a lot of other stuff going on with football, both at the college and pro level. And I've still found myself tuning into these baseball playoffs. And I don't know if that's just so I could talk about it more on the podcast. But it's uh, I haven't been too disappointed by what I've seen in uh, a lot of these games. So uh, game game five, though, that's 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 the must win for sure, though. Yeah, I mean you have to for tonight. It's, yeah, but it's that's, that's like go the home. biggest game though for, uh-huh. for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So with that, let's move on to our final topic for this episode: the NBA as the 2022-23 regular season is set to tip off on Tuesday, and Tuesday night we'll have the Boston Celtics taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, and the defending champion Golden State Warriors doing their celebrations against the Los Angeles Lakers. So 
Those two home teams, Celtics and the Warriors, made it to the finals last year. And depending on who you ask, I think both are the favorites, uh, according to odds makers, power rankings, a lot they're of things. Up, they're both up there. They're they're definitely up there, if not, you know, at least to represent their respective conference. If, if for no other reason than they just made it last year and there hasn't been a reason to fully knock them down yet. Uh, so that being said, who are the biggest threats to preventing either of those teams from getting back to the finals this year? So let's start in the East and you know, talk about the Celtics. So when it comes to the Celtics, I've made it pretty adamant that I am not the biggest uh, fan of either the Sixers or the Nets, and I'm still going to continue to to not trust either of those teams. Just given how, when it comes to the Sixers, how how just how often that they have a good, solid regular season, win fifty plus games or around fifty games. And be a top one of the top seeds and make the playoffs, and then just lose in the first or second round. It's just the same thing all every year for them. And look, the Phillies—they haven't—they hadn't made the playoffs in eleven years, and they still made a quote-unquote conference finals before Joel Embiid that's, and the Sixers. That's so, actually crazy. I hadn't even so, thought about that. So, <laughs> just the 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 Sixers are kind of like the Maple Leafs, but in the second round, where it's just like the same thing every year. They're good. They have all this talent, and then they just blow it. And that's kind of the same thing, especially with James Harden there now. Another good player, like that's a great duo to have in beating Harden. But uh, those I mean, two they, combined together Harden on the same team, like those two, time were, never have any playoff playoff success. Last year. Yeah, and so I'll I will just never take Philly seriously as a true threat to 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 make a run. And then Brooklyn, I take more seriously than Philly, but. They have like the widest range of possibilities where it can be great for them, but they could also implode. And uh, you, you know, you you've mentioned to me through text uh, the Zach Lowe rankings, NBA uh, league watchability pass. rankings, yeah. and and Brooklyn became at number one. And my first reaction is like, ah, oh, Brooklyn at number one. But then I realized, you know, it's not a power ranking. It's it's a watchability ranking on like you know interest on what this team could do or or not do <laughs> or 20 percent of the how it could, scoring how it could was, result for yeah. what the results could be for that team and thinking about it more it's like you know what they probably should be one because they could make a legit run if they can get their heads on straight but it could also get bad yeah unintentional uh, comedy really is 20 percent of the score and i imagine the Nets scored very high in that category yeah like durant will if as long as he's healthy he can he can he, I mean, I, yeah, he's getting up there, but he's still a, a, uh, an all-star caliber player, top, what, 10 player in the league, maybe five, top five player in the league. I don't know. He's up there. He's still he's still one of the best players in the league. And then who knows what we'll see out of Kyrie, but if if he's if he has his head on straight and he's not and he's not going crazy, he's still a great point guard. And then we still haven't seen what, what the team is like with Ben Simmons. So having those having that trio on your team if they're focused i take them more seriously than philly but i'm on the side of i don't believe in them they or, definitely or have the like, widest I, range I believe of possible more, outcomes and... i believe the implosion outcome more than the the title contending uh run for brooklyn uh so the only team that i really believe in is milwaukee uh, like of the like besides Boston is Milwaukee because we saw in that series versus Boston yes Boston won in a close seven game series but that entire series they didn't have Chris Middleton 
And Chris Middleton kills the Celtics. He's always killed the Celtics. And if they were to meet in the playoffs again and had a healthy Chris Middleton along with Giannis and Drew Holiday, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I think it there's a chance that it could go out differently. But uh, I like uh, – I still – I'm still very high on the Celtics. But if there's one team that – that I would take seriously as a threat in the East, it would be Milwaukee. And that's just me personally. Because, yes, you can make a case for Philly and and Brooklyn, but I'm always going to take my stand on them, uh, just n- uh, never putting it together. No mention of the Miami Heat team that took the Celtics. Uh, you, know, so no, you know, so Miami, <laughs> I, I should I should have mentioned them because even though they don't have the same amount of talent as those other teams, they're still really solid. With Jimmy Butler is definitely a winner. Bam Adebayo is a good all-star caliber center. And then they have other good secondary pieces like Tyler Harrow and, and Kyle Lowry. So, like, I, yes, that's another team I take seriously. I, I, but at the same time, yes, they made it a seven-game series and almost beat Boston, but I don't know. Like, I always think they're I – th- I just think their ceiling is capped at – and I, I agree with that. So Milwaukee is the obvious answer here. I mean, yeah. the, the Bucks are, I, I think that if anybody is, other than the Celtics is the best team in the East, it's the Bucks. And I, I think that there's a very legitimate case that it's them. You mentioned no Chris Middleton in that playoff series. And he's going to miss the first few weeks of the season after offseason wrist injury or wrist surgery. But if he's healthy, Milwaukee is as good as it gets when it comes to the Eastern conference. And uh, I think, if I had to look at those other teams and if there was someone else I had to throw out there, the first two that I look at, just kind of going off what you said, are Miami and Philadelphia. And I agree with you in that I think the Heat have reached their ceiling. I think they're capped out. And I look at what they did this offseason. They struck out on Kevin Durant. That's, and that's, a, that's, a, that's one thing I forgot to mention is that they didn't, they didn't get they didn't make a drastic improvement in the offseason. Like I thought they would. I, I thought I thought the Kevin Durant to Miami sweepstakes were for real and maybe they were but they didn't it just it never pan out never came really, to fruition they, they didn't make a they didn't make a huge jump and yes like after butler they have a lot of solid players but they don't have uh i mean bam out of bio i think superstars after butler no i think bam out of bio is also caliber but yes it, there's definitely i mean it's butler then a little bit of drop off to out of bio and then and you then have a, a lot of, of like to the next guy. culture guys you know whether it's kyle lowry or tyler hero whoever you want to say is their next uh, best player their big move of the offseason other than maybe extending Tyler Hero was losing PJ Tucker to the Philadelphia right. 76ers and I think because of that I'd have to say that if it's not Milwaukee and it's not Boston then I think that means that Philly finally got it right and I think that just looking at this team on paper I think they're gonna be a really good regular season team I think a full season of James Harden and the addition of uh, PJ Tucker Tyrese Maxey, a really solid young player, and then Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate if he stays healthy. Yeah, and he'll, plays he'll be a full an MVP count, uh, MVP candidate, and I still think they're like a four seed. Like I, I think that I still think they're up there. I think they're a top three team in the East. I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, I think that three or four seed is probably the right spot for them, and I, I. I get it like I also don't believe in them as a real playoff threat right now but I think that on paper they have a ton of talent and all it takes is one special week or two of things finally coming together for them and they end up in the Eastern Conference Finals and you know take down a team that is 
uh, probably better than them, or at the very least, they're at the same level, and uh, you know they have more playoff success, and and uh, somehow Philly just figures it all out. Now, I I don't know if you can believe in James Harden. I don't know if you can believe in the 76ers as a whole. Doc Rivers, you know, whoever you want to point to, there's a lot of history of playoff failure there. But I think that they're a team that I don't know. I just I want to tell myself that every year, like maybe this is the year Philly finally figures it out, and it. You know, I feel like I've been saying that for years, and it hasn't happened. But yeah, and I, I, I will not cross that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I will continue to take my uh-huh. stand on them, just never uh, getting over the hump. Uh, and no, and I, I, I get it. Again. I don't think that they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals when it comes down to it. Uh, but I think they're a team that I don't want to just straight up dismiss them based on history. And I, I do want to acknowledge that they I are a really good basketball Which team. Which is what I did, even though I hate them. Like I, <laughs> I, I at least acknowledged it. Like, hey, like uh-huh. on paper, they, they do uh, have the talent to at least be in the mix to contend. But yeah. I'm 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 not uh I'm not I mean it sounds like you're not either, but No, and I, I it's more just uh, you know, we, we can just say Milwaukee and move on or we can yeah. talk about other teams. Right. <laughs> um, for me it really is Milwaukee and move on. Yeah. No, that that's totally fair. So I guess let's talk about the West. So the Warriors they won it all last season. Reasons to believe that they can get back again, but you know, who's the biggest threat to them? So there are two teams that I'm really high on with Golden State. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not dismissing Golden State because Golden State, I think, arguably uh, should be the favorite still in the West. The two teams that I take seriously, though, that I think can make uh, that ha- that has a chance of making a, a deep run. First one I'll mention is the LA Clippers, and so like they 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 made the West Finals a couple seasons ago, lost to Phoenix, and then. What did they even do last year? Like they didn't—they didn't even make the. They, they lost in the playing tournament. They lost in the playing yeah, tournament. Yeah, Kawhi right? Leonard okay. missed the entire season. Paul yeah, George so, was injured a lot. And so that's why I—I I, I think getting Kawhi back and and Paul George back, but like Kawhi, they didn't even have the entire season. Getting those guys back, two of the best two-way players in the league, and 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 Paul George recognizes that like he's not the number one, like he's the number two on their team. But like even so, like. The fact that both of them are on the t- same team together, uh, with how good they are on both both ends of the floor, and then adding also, look, I know John Wall is washed, <laughs> like, or he's he hasn't he didn't he's been, play he's been last very, year. He's been he's been very uh, injury plagued these yes, last few the, years. Yeah, but, lots of injuries. Definitely, uh, his contract he signed with the Wizards did not age well. Yeah, his contract is is not great, but his Clippers having contract him healthy, is much better. Adding. If he were to if he were to be healthy, which is a big if, but if if you add him along with those two guys, you're having a, basically a completely different team if you think about it. Oh yeah, no, I mean, they're uh, going to be very different than that team that was like the ninth place team in the West last year. So I I I definitely take the Clippers seriously, and then the other team that I think is a threat, I'll I'll fully admit I'm biased, but I do think I do like the Denver Nuggets a lot uh, because. Look, the Nuggets were a first round exit last year, but they play, they played the Warriors, the team that won it all, and it was really just Jokic and a bunch of guys at the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a big drop off with them. It was such a huge drop off uh, after Jokic because now they're getting Jamal Murray back, now they're getting Michael Porter Jr. back, and they also added uh, KCP, Caldwell Pope on their team, and Bruce Brown, and I, I think their offense could be great because they they had a top. 
10 offense last year without without Porter Jr., without Jamal Murray. Now you add them back to the mix. Like they could be one of the best offenses in the league. And then I don't think I don't think Jokic will win a third MVP in a row. I would love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you will guy. either. But. but I still having those three together. I I think Denver. I would I would I'm leaning towards the other two, but I I like Denver a lot. I like Denver more than most people. So I, those are the two teams: Clippers and Nuggets. Uh, I think are like the biggest threats to to Golden State. So I'm also high on the Nuggets. They would have been my choice here if you just left it off <laughs> wow, with the Clippers. Wow, I did not think that. Yeah, and so my reason for the Nuggets <laughs> is that I think that I, we've seen how good Denver can be when they're fully healthy. Just you know, in in the bubble, they made the, went West to the Western the Conference bubble. Finals, and who did they beat to get there? The Los Angeles Clippers, and that was a right. Clippers team that had a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George. And you can right. put, I don't put a ton of stock into the COVID bubble. I think I've been pretty clear about that. But the Clippers. I know they made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2021, which is an impressive feat given that Kawhi got injured in the second round. But I don't know if I can fully trust them to just not be the Clippers anymore because it feels like they it's have found like ways to It's kind of like the Sixers of the West. Yeah, for sure. I think it's that's a good that way I, to look at it. I them. trust Kawhi has proven in the past that he can win a championship and be the best player on a championship team. He won the... Finals MVP when he was with the Spurs uh, in those last years with Duncan and Ginobili and and Parker and and then and then he gets traded to Toronto and the one year he's there he wins it all mm-hmm. and yes there you can certainly make a case well Golden State was hurt and and other teams but to, I don't know I thought that was extremely impressive uh, feat for Kawhi to win in the one year he was in Toronto and uh, I just think I, I don't I don't want to. Look, I do kind of agree with you, but uh, it's kind of like you with the with Philly, where it's like I. No, I get it. They have to be I, thrown I want, out there. I, like, I, I trust yeah. I trust the Clippers more than the Sixers. No, and I, I agree with that. I think both of those teams are very solid answers, and a big part of it is that there's a lot of unknown and like oh Kawhi can come back and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. can come back, right. and all of a sudden these teams are way better than they were last season. Um, so I, I think that, to me, I lean more toward Denver. But to throw out one team that you know how good they can be when they have their best player and how good they can be without him, the Memphis Grizzlies. You you have to take them seriously at this point. John Morant has very much proven himself to be an all-NBA caliber talent. I think if he takes an even bigger leap than he did this past year and some of the other role players and like guys around him, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, does uh, Brandon Clark to assign him to a contract? Dylan Brooks, like they, Stephen Adams, like they have a, they have the chance to kind of be like this tenacious team. And we saw him put up a fight against the Warriors. They took him to six games in the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, they meet him on uh, Christmas Day. So I think that they're a team that's kind of like they're different in the way they play basketball. You know, that whole grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're another team that is kind of needs to be thrown out here and uh, it's not a matter of oh how are they going to be when they get this superstar player back we know how good they were last season and i believe that uh they'll get better before they get worse i'm not on the grizzlies (laughs) (laughs) i know last year you didn't take him seriously and i I mean I, i i still don't i think it's easy to kind of dismiss them because they're different but i do think john moran is that good of a player that uh i do take them seriously so Uh, Let's move on to our next prompt here. And we talked about the Nets earlier, how they have a very 
a large weight range of possibilities. They could be a legitimate title contender. They could have a disaster season. And I think that was something that we said about the Lakers last year, who I uh, think you could call the Nets of the West. And uh, they obviously were on the very bad end of that as they didn't even make the play-in tournament. So uh, that being said, you know, both of these teams have had a little bit of turmoil, a little bit of chaos, and that's more so than the Lakers this offseason. But uh, of those two teams, which is the most likely to have everything go well and actually make it to their conference finals, or if not, deeper? We had a lot of questions during the NFL preview where do you like this team's outlook or this or the other teams uh, for this upcoming season? And my answer was always, my real answer is neither. And that's what <laughs> I would say for this question is my real answer is neither. But if I'm forced to pick one, it's gross, but I would pick the Nets between the two because when it comes to the Lakers, man, the Lakers are so much worse than I thought. They'd be. Look, I, I will take the L on thinking they'd, they'd be really good, but I did not think that they would miss the playoffs entirely. And they didn't even make the play-in tournament, right? Like they were No, they, they missed were, the play-in tournament. They missed the yeah. play-in tournament mm-hmm. like, entirely. Like that I did not see coming at all. And that worries me because how realistic is it for Anthony Davis to stay healthy? I certainly would not count on him to stay healthy all season and and then LeBron, he's almost forty years old. He's still he's still incredibly good, but he he is getting up there now, and then Russell Westbrook was a disaster last year. And they're talking about they're talking about him going to the coming off the bench, mm-hmm. which you could say is smart because he can be the that guy that he runs the, guy the, the second, second team. And because uh-huh. because LeBron and Westbrook, like both those guys, for them to be at their best, they have to have their the ball in their hands. Like they're ball, both ball dominant players, and it's not really a great mix when. You know, Russell Westbrook is not exactly a spot-up shooter. And so it actually, even though it might be a, you know, hurt his ego a bit, it might actually be smart for him to come off the bench and run the second team. But with that being said, like, that's disastrous if uh, he's coming off the bench. Even even though if it's the right move, like, it's pretty bad when, like, a, what, a $40 million player is coming off the bench. He'd like, be the most expensive backup point guard of all time. Yeah, so that... Like I don't, I don't know. Like I don't. I think the Lakers are still a playoff team, but I don't. I don't know how much better they are. Like I think they're like a first, first or second round exit. But the Nets now, the Nets I think have a wider range of possibilities, but I do think they have more upside than the Lakers. And I would still take the Celtics and Bucks over them, but I I do think that if you know if Steve Nash and and Katie and and like the rest of the team can work things out then they can make a run but again my answer is neither but if I'm picking between the two I will go with the Nets yeah so I think that depending on how this was kind of worded and looked at could kind of change my answer here but I think the Nets are more likely to reach their ceiling just because I think they're yeah. overall a better basketball team. You know, if Kevin Durant, if you in 2K, if you just did a simulation of their season, I think there's a much better chance of them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren uh, than there is of the Lakers. And this, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook has been just a total drop oh, off terrible. at this point. And, yeah. 
Anthony Davis, LeBron James, both of them have dealt with injuries. They're both starting to show their age. So there's a lot of reasons to be down on the Lakers ceiling. But I think that the Nets are also more likely to have that implosion scenario because their problem is off the court players' egos, you know, wanting to leave the KD team, could still whatever. Ask for a trade. He could. That's KD not, could ask for a trade. I mean, the table. Kyrie. I don't know. Like, it, there's just that situation are just so volatile. Whereas the Lakers situation, it's just okay. But are they that good of a team? You know, if Anthony Davis and LeBron James play as close to 82 games as possible, what is their ceiling? I think they could go to the Western Conference Finals, but I also agree with you that I think the Lakers are a playoff team. At the very least, I think they make it in the play-in tournament, and I would probably you know pick them to at least advance to the, the real round of eight. Uh, but I, I think the Nets have a much better chance of the disaster scenario, so... Uh, yeah, I do they, like they the, the Lakers' addition range. of Patrick Beverly. I think that the Lakers did they did enough that they'll be a better team. But yes, well, the, the widest range of possibilities of any team in the league. The Nets have a much better chance of winning a title, and they have a much better chance of just being an absolute, you know, dumpster fire. And the roster looks totally different by middle of February than it does right now. Exactly. So, yeah, and I, I think that's which is uh, why I'm picking the Nets. Uh, uh, just if everything goes worded. well, the Nets should like in theory. If everything goes well, the Nets should at the very least make the second round. Like they should be a top four team in the East. Um, but it's hard to envision that just given how chaotic their off season was. So we talked about the Memphis Grizzlies earlier last season. They were a bit of a surprise, winning fifty six games, being the number two seed in the West. Uh, this came after a couple seasons where they lost in the playing tournament, won in the playing tournament, but didn't make it out of the first round as the eight seed. So they took a huge leap. Uh, which team do you believe is most likely to follow in their footsteps and go from maybe a fringe playoff team? to one of the top teams in their conference this year. So I got two teams for this question. One of them we'll talk about later. Uh, so I'll save them. I'll, one of the teams I'll talk about later, save for later. But the other one that I'll mention is the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I think that's a team that, after other than Brooklyn, I think they have the most, they have the highest variance in the league because... They got Zion back, who was certainly injury uh, injury prone and out of shape, but he looks he looks good to start the season, and is in shape, and he gets to play with CJ McCollum for the first time, which I think is a big boost to their team. And then they also still have Brandon Ingram, a former lottery pick, and they got a lot of other solid players in their team. And look, like this is another team where again. After Brooklyn, they have the highest variance where they could just easily stink again, and they they could have a really bad defense and be injury prone some more. But if they get if they reach their ceiling, they could be really good uh, with with the with the roster that they have. Uh, and so I don't think it'll be like the Grizzlies where they'll be like a two seed, but I do think if they can stay healthy and Zion finally breaks out and shows that he's a you know one of the top players in the league, then then I think New Orleans can make a big jump this year. So I'm going to go with New Orleans. You know, I, I want to provide as much variance on these questions as possible, but I only ask <laughs> this as an opportunity to talk about the Pelicans. Like, I know I'm biased, but I, I really am excited about the Pelicans this season. And yeah, I mean, 
bringing back a healthy Zion Williamson to a team that was really good down the stretch. I and mean, it just showed a perfect example of why the play-in tournament matters because they went out and traded for CJ McCollum because they still had a shot to make the playoffs, which they wouldn't have had in the traditional eight-team format. And they got hot down the stretch. A lot of rookies stepped up, played well, and ended up seeking in the playoffs and put up a really solid fight against the Suns. So it's easy for a lot of people to be really high on them this year. CJ McCollum is oh, a great, forgot great Valanchunas player. As well. Jonas yeah, Valanciunas, awesome center. Brandon Ingram is, I mean, he might be the best player on the team. If It, it could also just be Zion. You know, we missed him all of last season, but he averaged 27.7 rebounds per game, all-star the last time he was healthy. And I think he played seven, or it was a 72-game season. I think he played 61 games, so mostly a full season. Um, and then other guys, like some of the young players, Herbert Jones is probably going to be an all NBA defensive player, uh, in year two. He's awesome. Second round pick. Who's just a star on the defensive end. Um, Trey Murphy, another rookie who I think he could step up and become a more consistent shooter. He could have Jason a big Daniels impact. And then that, that Jose Alvarado. Alvarado. Yeah. He's awesome. Just like a really fun, tenacious defender, really solid backup point guard. I'm and kind of annoyed by that guy, but at the same time to be, Part that's he's part like of the why Matthew he's good on defense. Is that he's kind of, of like annoying. He's kind of yeah. <laughs> he's kind of no. That he's pest. the kind of player that you hate to play against, but love to have on your team. Uh, yeah, I think that the Pelicans can be really strong this year, and I do think that this is um, an opportunity for them to really take the next step forward. And you know, the Western Conference, it in some ways it feels open, given that there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding a lot of teams. So. I do think it's possible in two seats, probably a stretch, but I, I definitely think the Pelicans win 50 games this year and can uh, be a legitimate threat to go on a nice little run in the playoffs. I probably should have realized that you were going to pick the Pelicans here, but that really was my answer. <laughs> no, and I get it. Like, yes, uh, there is a, a question immediately now that I think there are a lot of other teams that could maybe fit this uh, bold, and I am interested to see what other team you're thinking of. So uh, this offseason, we... I think had a lot of like potential for big time movement, uh, but we we ended up seeing just a handful of like real blockbuster trades actually go down. Two of which involved the Jazz. First, it was Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves for a bunch of players and a boatload of picks. Then Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers for another big package of players and picks. We also saw the San Antonio Spurs trade Deontay Murray to the Atlanta Hawks and another deal with several first round picks going back to San Antonio. So those two teams are very much thinking toward the future, while Minnesota, Cleveland, and Atlanta are thinking about the present. And uh, when you make big moves like that, there's going to be an expectation that you are ready to take a leap and go from a team that was in the play-in tournament to a actual contender this year. Uh, so that being said, which of these three teams following those big moves is most ready to contend for a title this season. So I uh, there's another one where like I don't think they're going to contend for a title, but one team that I think can make a real jump this year and make the playoffs and maybe even make it to the next round. I I'm actually kind of high on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I I do I do like Cleveland a lot with the obviously the biggest move is getting Donovan Mitchell, all-star caliber player and you know they were thirty five and twenty one entering the All Star break last year. Yeah, they and, got off to a really good start last season. And so adding adding Donovan Mitchell to a team that has 
Evan Mobley, who was a very good rookie last season, and then also Darius Garland, who's been a good player for them, and then Jared Allen's a solid big man as well, and they they, they got they got good players in their team, and like again, I don't think they're going to make a serious leap, but I think they got a lot of solid players where they they were they they lost in the play in tournament, and then they adding did. if you add a guy like Donovan Mitchell on your team it, with the the pieces, the young pieces that they have on their team, they're only going to get better. I think Cleveland will be more than a play-in team uh, this year. I, I think they can be in that, I would say, I don't, like three-seed tops, but like that's probably unrealistic, but like maybe like five or six-seed. I, I think they can make, which doesn't sound like a big jump, but I, I don't know. I think... I think I think the East is a little bit more open, or is not as strong as the West, and so that's why I'm going to go with Cleveland uh, out of these teams. Yeah, I, I think I've been back and forth in terms of how I view the East and the West, and I think that kind of plays a role into my answer here. Right. And I mean, I think I agree for the most part in that. I don't think any of these teams are true title contenders. I would be surprised if any of them makes it to the conference finals of their, you know respective conferences but um i guess i'm going to start with the atlanta hawks and i think that the deontay murray trey young backcourt has the potential to be a really solid backcourt and i think that murray is in in paper or on paper the perfect type of guy to play alongside trey young given that he is a point guard who is very strong on defense and trey young is very bad on defense so yeah in theory (laughs) much better offensively yeah in theory Murray can kind of help with that big weakness Uh, last season I think the so if you look at um adjusted ratings uh I don't know exactly how it works how it talks about these teams but the Atlanta Hawks had the number two offensive rating in the entire NBA last year and they had the number 26 defensive rating. And that was kind of what caused a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals to barely make the playoffs as an eight-seed play-in winner and lose in the first round of the Miami Heat. Uh, that being said, I don't know that Murray is enough to get this Atlanta team over the top. I was really high on them a couple years ago. Did not expect them to be as good as they were, but uh, I'm pretty down on them. I think it's going to take an MVP caliber performance from Trey Young and like legitimate MVP for them to make that yeah, big. Okay, leap. I, I'm glad you said that because Atlanta was my last choice of these three. Yes. Because even though I, yes, the Deontay Murray trade is is going to help them, I still think the Hawks are in that pl- in the play in tier. I, yes, I think and I I agree with that. Seed range. To me, I think that Cleveland and Minnesota like both have strong cases at this point. And I right. I think one thing I'll say about Cleveland so. They are a very good defensive team. Uh, at least last year they were seventh. They were twentieth in offensive de- uh, rating. Who was number one? The Utah Jazz, and who Donovan had Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Donovan so offense. yes, in and theory, along with Kevin Love as well, who's still there. Yeah, and Evan and Mobley was he Paris was really Levert. solid as a rookie, and Darius Garland. I mean, I think Garland. We just talked Garland about Young and Murray. Yeah, uh, Garland and Mitchell could also be a really really strong backcourt. 
uh, one of the most exciting backcourts in the East, uh, just with all the potential they have offensively. Like we saw that Garland was able to create his own shot and the playoffs, but nobody else is really able to. So I think Mitchell stepping in there. I think the Cavs do have a really good chance. Ultimately, when I look at the East, I think there are a lot more established teams that I'm not fully bought in on them, passing them. But I do think there's a good chance. Like this is a young team that, you know, maybe their leap last year was just the beginning. Um, I do think they're still a year away though. And I'm going to turn to Minnesota. And I think I almost say Minnesota because it almost feels like the Timberwolves have to, given what they gave up for Rudy Gobert. If this doesn't work, then they are in a disaster situation. And I'm really intrigued to see how this Gobert and Towns duo is going to play out because you're talking about two guys who are centers, but (laughs) they're exact opposites. Gobert is a traditional big man, stand Towns the basket, the guy rebounder. And Towns, because, yeah, Towns is Gobert's like... Gobert's the more traditional center. Exactly. Towns is... He's very much going to be the power forward in this lineup. He won the NBA three-point contest last year. First so ever center to shoot do better that. than Gobert. Yeah, and defensively, he has his struggles. I think he can still rebound as and a And Gobert's man, a much better defender than Towns. Three-time defensive player of the year. So I, I think that... That combo has the potential to be really exciting. Throw in a guy like Anthony Edwards, who's quickly ascending the ranks as one of the best young players in the league. And I think Minnesota's ceiling could be really high if everything works out and Anthony Edwards takes another kind of almost John Morant type leap. Because we saw Memphis last year go from an eight seed to a two seed. I don't think Minnesota is going to go from a seven seed to a two seed. But if I had to look at a team, I mean, I, I said New Orleans to that last answer. And there's definitely a lot of bias there. But I think Minnesota is one where, you know, their their defense was definitely a concern last year. What do you do? Go out and get one of the best defensive players in basketball and see what happens. <laughs> but, That's totally fair. I, I'm intrigued as well. Yeah. I mean, I, if it doesn't I, work I out, they give up a either lot. Way where if it works out, like they could make it past the first round unlike what they did last year where they lost to Memphis and maybe Gobert will really help their defense and and maybe they'll be a contender in the West or it makes no difference at all and the trade ends up being a, a, a terrible decision. They gave mm-hmm. up so much for Gobert. I, Fourth, I don't think very yeah. I don't think very highly of him as an offensive player. He, but, he's but, a very efficient offensive player. But they, he's really but, good at converting dunks. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's like that's about it. Uh, uh-huh. But defensively, I, I, I'd imagine they'll, he'll make an improvement, or he'll help he'll help Minnesota make an improvement on that. Yeah, side I mean that's a lot of money that they have invested in Towns and Gobert at this point for several years in the future. Gave up a lot of first round picks, so uh, yeah, I mean I'm excited to see how it plays out. But there, there's definitely a lot of pressure on this to to work out for the best this year. So yeah, I, I think. Cleveland and Minnesota were like the clear top two for mm-hmm. this question because like yeah like, I, I mean Atlanta will be that move helps but I don't know I still think they're a playing team playing that's kind of crazy team. to say because Atlanta did just make the Eastern Conference Finals uh, two in years 2021 ago. <laughs> yeah so uh, but yeah I mean, with the help by Philly for yeah no it, and I think that's part of it where it was more about the Sixers not making it than it was about the Hawks getting there so. Uh, we've talked about a lot of players uh, that did not play last year, and we're excited to see what they can do this year. So I guess just if you had to throw out one guy, who are you most excited to see back on the court after missing all of last season? I'll admit, I kind of already mentioned him, but I'll go with Zion, because he's he's one of the best players when he's healthy, and all this hype around him being like, you know, the the 
the best pick since LeBron uh, to come out into the NBA, but he's been injured for so long, and it's like, is he is he going to pan out? Like, are the are the Pelicans going to trade him? But they didn't. They signed him to a big contract, and look, he looks he looks healthy. He looks he he looks slimmer, which is good. He's he looks like he's in shape, and he's exciting to watch when he's out there. Uh, but it's and it's been a while since he's been out there, so I'll go with him. Do you want me to add on a couple more players or just one? no? Well, I I I'm really excited uh, for Zion, obviously, and I'm glad that you threw him out there because as as excited as I am to see Zion, it's hard for me not to say Kawhi Leonard here because yeah. you know as much as I'm questioning the Clippers, he's someone who could be the best player in the NBA. I feel like every time I see him on the court, I'm like, oh yeah, he is actually that guy. So I'm excited to see him come back and see what he does and his. Much as I doubt the Clippers, just given their past history, I fully acknowledge that this is a team that is a huge threat in the West. And uh, with him back and a healthy Paul George, I'm really intrigued to see how they do. And ultimately, I think it's just, I believe the Clippers have a higher ceiling than the Pelicans. I think that the Clippers are a team that could be the best team in the league. And I can't say that about the Pelicans right now. So that's why Kawhi Leonard, to me, just to see Kenny come back and actually kind of make that Clippers franchise the team that they were supposed to be when he signed with them. So I guess, are there others you want to throw uh, Like it was him and Jamal Murray. Like Jamal Murray, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, Murray, I, I think. Those are, those are the t- Murray's the number three, two. But like Murray uh, being the clear third and those other two guys being top two. Yeah, I, I think having Jokic there, it, I mean, I am excited to see Murray back. It, same thing. I think that Murray can make a huge impact on Denver. But in terms of just like actually watching them play basketball, I think Kawhi Leonard is, is my, my choice here. Um. All right. And then... Next question. We spent a lot of time talking about good teams, but this is a year where being bad is going to be almost as, if not uh, just as exciting as the race to the top. And that is because we have not one, but two highly coveted candidates in the draft. Victor Wembanyama. we talked about him earlier this summer, 7-4 center, just an absolute, just insane basketball player. It's crazy. The fact that he's like seven four, and he's got the handles that he he has legit handles and he has a legit shot. <laughs> yeah, legit <laughs> shot, guy. legit handles. He can block a shot from seemingly anywhere on the court. We might have our first alien to be drafted in the NBA. <laughs> he's insane, and he's going to be nineteen years old. Just like the idea of how he, good he could be right away, and how good he could be someday. Like yeah. <laughs> he's just a combination of every great player in theory. Yeah, and the, the, the first him, player in to enter the NBA, not from planet earth. Uh, will be, be, be something. Uh, yeah. And after him, I, I, there's probably a drop off, but he's a guy who'd be number one in any other year. According to Victor Wembanyama. if he was never born, Scoot Henderson would be the number one pick. And he's another player that whoever ends up getting that number two slot, it's probably not going to be all that disappointed to end up with him instead. So I don't want to sit here and predict how ping pong balls are going to fall in May. But there will be three teams at the bottom who have the highest lottery odds. So who are your predictions for those three teams that will be the worst of the worst? All right. Um, I'll say Utah because they got rid of Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, Danny Ainge being there, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'm sure he has a plan in place getting rid of those guys and doing whatever he can to to get him. And I, I would I would say Utah is on that list. Another team that could be on that list, 
you know, to add another historic big man on a team that's had great big mans like the Spurs. I'm going to say the Spurs with, you know, having Robinson and Tim Duncan and maybe add Victor Wembanyama uh, to that list as well. So I could see the Spurs being on the list. You know, Popovich, he literally said, uh, don't, don't bet, bet on, on us to win the championship. So that tells you that the Spurs are going to suck this year. So I think that's I think that's another that's one team. Uh, one more team I'll, I'll add. I'll add the New York Knicks. I know I don't think they're going to wow. be as bad. Yeah, just because uh, I always think anytime there's like a really can't miss prospect. I always think the draft is rigged. <laughs> well, and no, th- no, no, no. So not who do you think is going to be in the lottery? Who do you think are going to be the three worst teams? Oh, okay. Well, okay. I think the Knicks will be in the lottery because I think the okay. draft is always rigged. And, you know, that team is, you know, they've always been the mix trying to get a star player. And Zion was certainly a guy that the Knicks could have been in on, but they did not get the first pick that year. But, uh but to add on to your question, though, who who do I think will be the three worst teams? The Spurs, the Jazz, and Pacers. I don't think the Pacers okay. are very good at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with you with the Jazz and the Pacers. I think that Utah is going to be really terrible this year. And, yeah, Danny Ainge uh, obviously knows what he's doing. And Indiana, same way. I mean, I, I think that they they put in the effort to try to sign DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet. He ended up getting matched by Phoenix. And... I think that Indiana is going to be kind of rewarded for not getting him by being a really terrible team. And I've been back and forth between San Antonio and Oklahoma City, but I'm going to go with the Thunder because... Uh, you know what? Thunder is another team I forgot. The yeah. thing with the Spurs, it's like they've just been so good for so long that it's just hard to imagine them completely bottoming out. I think they're going to be a bad team, but it just... I don't know. I can't picture a Greg Popovich coach team going like 17 and 65 or something, whatever it would take. So I think the Thunder, especially with Chet Holmgren out for the year, really disappointed he won't be playing. I think that they're going to be uh, a disaster this season. The Thunder is a team I forgot to mention. I should have mentioned them. And then, yeah, the next thing, like they won't be as worse as those teams. I just think that no, I, the, yeah, I, th- I, could see I think it. they'll be in the mix some way, somehow, because uh-huh. I, I don't think they're a playoff team. They're not as bad as those other teams, but I don't think they're a playoff team, and I think that they will be in the lottery. And I, I don't know. I just could see it getting interesting with them just because they're such a big basketball market. Oh, it would been bad for so they would bad for love so long. To and to add to someone, someone like, like him would New really York. spice uh-huh. up the, the Knicks market. For sure, yeah. Like the Nets are the 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 better team, but like you just know that te- the 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 team that New York fans really care about is the Knicks. Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, they're so they're still. That's the why team. I picked the Knicks, uh, mm-hmm. but obviously reading that question wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think that the Knicks are going to be too good to be, be in too the good. bottom three. But like those, yeah, those other we'll four see. teams, the Jazz, the ping pong balls, the yeah. Jazz. Thunder, Jazz Pacers, Pacers Spurs. Thunder, it's Spurs. Those teams Probably are going to be the four worst. Yeah, Orlando is going to be up there. Maybe Houston, a uh, handful of others. But... but I do think the Knicks are a bottom ten team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So I guess you know, with that, let's throw out some bold predictions we have for the season. So let's kind of start any kind of like playoff or lack yeah. of predictions. Okay. Let's start with those. Well, you know, you were you went on with uh, how good the Memphis Grizzlies will be. I'll say the Memphis Grizzlies are a play in team, a play in tournament team. And, okay. uh, 
Let's go bold and say they don't even make the the the, the eight. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> Let, crazy drop off. Yeah, crazy drop off. I I do I do think they'll drop off this year, and I don't know. They they, they lost they lost a couple pieces on their team like you know Melton and Kyle Anderson. Like yeah, those aren't huge losses, but I do think it hurts their defense. And and then they won't have uh, Jaron Jackson to start the year, and that moot that uh that that forces. Uh, the Grizzlies put guys like Brandon Clark into their starting lineup. And look, John Morant's obviously their strength of their team, but I also think the strength of their team was their bench. And yeah, no, I agree. It's not going to be as good uh-huh. as it was last year. And I just think there's going to be, a, they're going to come back down to earth because, yes, last year they won 50 plus games, but like those other past few years, they won, they were in the 30s. And I don't think it'll be that bad, but I do think that they are like a. Maybe it will be that bad because five hundred forty one forty one. Like I think they're in that. I I I think, I think they're a low forty one team. They'll be in the playing tournament, and I'll just go bold and say they don't they don't make that final eight. And they'll miss the playoffs. That's just that's yeah, I know that's a, super outlandish, but uh, I do. Bold, so I'll go bold. Yeah, no, for sure. I do think they're gonna drop off, but I I still think they're gonna be a playoff team this year. Yeah. Um. So that's unlikely, but I you you want bold, so I'm going yeah, with that. Sure. And then the other one. Or another one I have. I'll say the Cavs make the second round. I, I'll, okay. I'll say that. I, I think uh, I think they'll be a five or six seed team, and they'll upset, you know, someone like Brooklyn or Philly, or that you know, and it'll be more likely Philly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Cleveland, but not again, not as a title contender. But I I think I think second round can happen. So I'll go with them. Now, last time I made a prediction like that, it was the Phoenix Suns, and they made it all the way to the finals. I do not uh-huh. think the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> will make the finals. Um, so that's my other one. My last one that I have that's bold, you know, we were talking about uh, players who missed all of last season that you're most excited to see back on the court. The reason why I picked Zion was because I wanted to save Kawhi for something else. Okay. I know that this is more of a bold than anything it, it probably very very likely won't happen but i really do think the clivers can be a a legit contender this year like a final four kind of team and i think you know Kawhi leonard has not even though he's one of the best players in the league when healthy he doesn't have an mvp and i so think the think clippers this are, is his year I, yeah i'm gonna say this is his year i think i think uh with I, th- I think the Clippers can really turn it around this year, and Kawhi Leonard went healthy. He's one of the best players in the league, and the best two-way player in the league, in my opinion. And uh, I, yeah, so I'm going with Kawhi Leonard as a MVP. Okay, which I, I think is pretty bold. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely not like one of the favorites to he's win. He's not like a top five. If the Clippers are as good as people think they're going to be, then I think he has a very legitimate case. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard. As okay. That's so. Those are my three bowl calls. No, that's good. Um, I guess so. I'm gonna start off and say that last year the Suns were the one seed in the West. Pelicans were the eight seed, and the Pelicans took them to six games. Phoenix ended up winning, and then we saw them eventually get embarrassed in Game Seven at home to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm gonna say that. The Pelicans get revenge this year and knock out the Suns in the first round. I think Phoenix is going to take a step backward. And whether it's New Orleans or not, I think they're losing the first round. I just think that yeah, there's a lot I, of turmoil I, with that franchise. And I, I like, I like I'm really call. down I'm on not, them. Uh, I, I still think Phoenix will be a playoff team. But, yeah, I, I like 
It'll be like, like a the four Warriors, or five matchup. I like the Clippers and I like the Nuggets. The Nuggets, more yeah. Than, I like all three of those teams more than Phoenix, and so that would put Phoenix in that four or five matchup. And yeah, it, it could be someone like the Pelicans for sure. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it could be wishful Them, thinking on my Timberwolves, part. Timberwolves. Yeah, Timberwolves, uh, Mavericks. I mean, you know, it could get them again. Uh, Mav- so yeah, Mavericks, that's yeah, Mavericks. Yeah, is good one. so uh, I'll go with that one. Um, that's going to be my bold prediction for the West. My bold prediction for the East. Uh, I think that I'm not going to necessarily pick a team to make the second round. Uh, there, there's a couple that I'm like, yeah, maybe, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the Detroit Pistons are going to make the play-in tournament. Maybe sneak in as one of the lowest seeds, but I really like Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to be really solid in year two. And they um, drafted Ivy. And they drafted Jay and Ivy, who, along with that, is my prediction for rookie of the year. Uh, maybe a bit bold, given he was the fifth overall pick. There were a handful of guys above them. Uh, but I'm going to go with them. And then on the west side, you know, I... I think it's kind of similar to Minnesota in feeling like they're a contender because they have to be. I think the Kings have to at least make the play-in tournament this year. I'm going to like predict no, that they get another in. team I forgot to mention. That. Yeah, they're, I they're, think they're better than I give them credit. Full for. year of Demonis Sabonis. They're, uh, they're better than De'Aaron those. Fox. They're better than those. Like what four teams that we mentioned? Spurs. Pacers, well, yeah. So Spurs, Spurs, Thunder, Jazz, Rockets, Jazz Pacers. are all in the. Lottery, like they're better than those sure. teams, but I don't think they're. So that, that just leaves better. one other team, like Lakers, Kings, Trailblazers, and then, um, I mean, I guess you'd have to throw out teams like the Pelicans and, you know, Memphis, Minnesota, Dallas. Like the all those teams are competing. Yeah, one of them is going I, to miss the playoffs. There's a reason so. why I think the Grizzlies are a playing tournament team. Like the, you just mentioned, like there's, there are a lot of good teams in the West that, yes, they have their issues, but. Like I, I don't know. Like there, there are a lot of good teams in the West that if that if they turn it around, and Grizzlies take a drop off, like they could, they legitimately could be a playing tournament team. So mm-hmm. that, that's there's just adds on to why I'm not as high on the Grizzlies. No, and and that's fair. I mean, there's naturally gonna be a lot of teams that I'm like, oh, I'm really high on them, but it's like there's only so many spots. Exactly. Like, there's so many, so. only so many spots uh-huh. uh, in the in the playoffs. I mean, there yeah. are a lot. Like. I don't know. I think I think the West is a better conference than the East. Yeah, and uh, my MVP pick is boring, but I, I think Giannis is going to win it, and I think it's because I think the Bucks are going to be the one seed in the East. I think last year they learned that they can't take playoff seeding for granted, and I think uh, they're going to do everything in their power to get that top spot. I do like the Celtics as a two seed. I do think Joe Missoula is going to keep that team in place, but um, I I think that this is the Bucks year um, to you know, be that top team in the East again, which they haven't been for the past couple seasons. So, uh, I guess finals pick at this point or any, I don't uh, know, any no, other awards you want to throw? Like, okay. Like rookie yeah. of the year. Like, yeah, I'll go Paulo and, uh, fair one, o- number yeah. one overall. Like, that's, pick. that's my yeah. boring one. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the favorite, but I think he, I think it's him in a landslide. Yeah. Uh, so finals matchup. I'm going with, uh, Celtics Warriors again. Yeah, I, I I think they're the two best. I think the Warriors are. I think they won it last year, and they could honestly be better uh, if they they you know young guys like James Wiseman, uh, Moses Moody, you know, get into the fold a little bit. They added Divincenzo uh, as well, another shooter. You know, because the Warriors definitely need more shooting. <laughs> <on their team. laughs> yeah, I mean he he got hurt with Milwaukee, and I, I think his career is kind of taking a hit because of that but he definitely has potential to be just another one of those like low buy players who makes a huge impact for them 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. So out of the West, I'm going with the Warriors because they they're, they're still the they're still one of the best teams in the league. And even though I, yeah, I I have Kawhi as like MVP MVP pick, and I like the Clippers. I don't I don't I still think that at some point they'll you know blow it. Whether it's versus Denver in the West semis or Golden State in the West finals, like yeah, I I do agree that at some point the Clippers, even if I think they can turn it around, I still think that. I still think playoff yeah. wise, they're gonna find a way to lose. So I'm gonna no, go Golden that... State in the West, and then yeah, the Celtics uh-huh. in the East. Uh, I still, I still think even though there's a lot of turmoil right now with the Celtics with the whole Eme thing, and having a, an experienced head coach uh, leading their team, I still think coaching's not that important in the NBA. And I still think, you know, the the year that they had the Celtics had last year, the way they finished, I still think that they can get back in the mix and I love the Malcolm Brogdon move. I think that's a great move for their bench. And it's a shame that Gallinari got hurt. Cause I thought he would provide an offensive spark. Uh, they'll miss him, but it's not like a, like a season, like a, a fatal flaw on their team. Uh, and then Robert Williams. Yes, he is going to be hurt for the beginning part of this year, but if they can get him back healthy for the later later part of the year in the playoffs, I think that's huge for him because I think he was unleashed last year. Oh yeah, he's been a solid bench player for you know his first year in the in the Celtics, but last year he was if he stayed healthy, I thought he deserved defensive player of the year over Marcus Smart, but because he didn't, you know, he because he got hurt, uh, it went to Smart, which was the right move, but right choice, but uh, I don't know. Robert Williams make, is such a big difference maker on their defense, and I think they will continue to have one of the best defensive teams in the league with who they have one to five uh, in their starting lineup with Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Williams uh, if they're all healthy. Uh, and for final spec, I'm going totally biased. I'll say the Celtics get revenge. I, 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 yeah, I, okay. Uh, they, got, they got a rebound from last year's finals uh you know, finals loss. Uh, I'm, so I'm going to say the same matchup as last year, but the Celtics win instead. Uh, I'm yeah, I mean, I, I hope you're right. I don't know. I just feel like I've been getting bad vibes from the way the soft season is shaken out. And um, I, I can't help but feel like Chris Middleton's be the difference. And I, I got Milwaukee over Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's where the revenge will be. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. But that's kind of, you know, where Who'd I'm you going have in into the West this season. Again? Well, and then in the West, I want to pick Denver. I do, but it's hard oh, not I, I to would say love the to pick Warriors. Too, I yeah. know it's hard not to say the Warriors. So um, I got Milwaukee Golden State Finals, and yeah, I think Boston. that yeah, um, Boston Golden State. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Kenny with the Bucks. Like even though there are these problems, like you still you still hold on the, the hope. Yeah, no, I no, I totally get Celtics, it. Even though there's turmoil yes. right now, I uh-huh. I do think that they can overcome it. Yeah, and I think the Celtics season is going much better than last year's at the start. It's not going to be like having to, you know, figure things out late, but I don't know if that's going to be like last year. I almost feel like that was a benefit just getting hot at the end. So um, I do love the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, but yeah, not having Robert Williams, Danilo Gallinari, and you know, I think the, the whole Udoka I do believe thing. it'll be a little bit of a shaky start to begin the year, but, mm-hmm. I, but I'm expecting. Kind Which of like they, a, they've had maybe not a lot as crazy of, of a surge as they had last year, where they're like not even a playing uh, team, and then all of a sudden like have the best one of the best records in the NBA. But I think something similar to last year, where they got off to a shaky start a little bit, but then really come on the second half of the season when they get yeah. key players back. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's fair. I, I am high on the Celtics still. It's just uh, 
I don't know. It's just I guess the Bucks I just are the team. That feel like the Bucks. The are, yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah. Either way, I'm excited for things to start. You know, Celtic season Tuesday night. So definitely uh, going to be a fun NBA season. A lot of guys returning. You know, a lot of lot of parity. Something that you know we kind of forgot was possible in the NBA, given it was always the same teams for a very long time. So it should be a very exciting season and. Football still here. Baseball playoffs still here. Uh, we'll see. We've been going strong three straight weeks with an episode. Uh, won't rule out making it four in a row. Also won't rule out the idea of taking a week off, depending on how things go. But, you know, we'll certainly have plenty of talk still about a delay. whenever we're back. Yeah, Still a delay in that Yankees-Guardians game. All right. So we'll see. Maybe they just won't play tonight or, you know, <laughs> the first pitch at midnight. <laughs> I don't know. But... All right, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>